0: Hey everybody, welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. I'm John Burke, and joining me is the Kingsman to my Statesman. Yeah, it's Matt from What I Watched Tonight. How you doing? Pretty well, sir. How are you doing today? Very good. Um, excited to be
1: talking some films. It's Hopefully it's going to be a bit better than last month's um, film selection was.
0: You know, I feel like it kind of is. Um, although at the same time, there is one that made me think for a minute, like when I looked at the movie list for this month, I was like man this this list is awful but it's when I was like reevaluating oh wait no it's really only one movie that makes me feel that way and it, it brought down the whole list in my eyes there was, like
1: there was one on this which I thought I was
0: gonna love mm-hmm. turns out that I thought it was a bit rubbish actually so yeah I think we're talking about the same movie and <laughs> yeah, I think we are. it's it's a shame um if you are new to the show uh well first of all welcome um, but Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, I am in the States, Matt is over there in England, um, where our president is currently, as we're recording this, or at least he's in, uh, sorry, he's in the vicinity now, I believe he's in France today. He's
1: already shared afternoon tea with uh, Majesty herself, so.
0: And uh, Matt and I uh, get together every month to look at the movies just passed. so we're looking back at the month of May here, uh, when we're recording this in June, and we're going to be talking about the four what we have deemed the four big releases although may was a stacked month right mm-hmm. yeah um it's the beginning of the summer movie uh time even though summer really doesn't start till june the summer movies have kind of flooded into may even now the end of april thanks to uh, avengers endgame um, and avengers infinity war last year but uh we've picked the four big ones and we're going to review them spoiler free uh so that you can you know get ready to either go see them and the th- if they're still in the theater or you know rent them buy them or completely avoid them um depending on uh you know how you take what we say keep in mind though that our opinions are ours and of course you're we encourage you to build your own but if you've listened to us for a while and you seem to agree with one of us or both of us about movies then you can gauge your uh your time a little better um yeah
1: there haven't been many films in the year and so we've been doing this that we've really said that was a dumpster fire it's only been a cut i can't even think of it off the top of my head there's only been a few where we've both said just don't bother with otherwise yeah. we're fairly open-minded
0: especially for the big four I mean there's been some in the because we do we kind of glanced at all the other stuff we saw that came out in May um or whatever month and some of those I think have been real stinkers but the big four I think we've mainly managed to find mediocre to great um not not so many bad uh, although there's been a couple and um sometimes it's bad for different reasons like it's bad because we were so excited about it and it just doesn't live up to the expectations so it feels worse than maybe it actually is or maybe it is that bad I don't know we'll find out.
1: We all saw Hellboy don't forget.
0: Oh yeah Hellboy was (laughs) Hellboy was something man um I see I, I was hopeful for that one um I was kind of thinking you know I think what we might be witnessing though is that the uh the Stranger Things cast maybe should stick to TV
1: yeah i I even have a note about that somewhere later on in the show.
0: Yeah. So, you know, maybe like, or or maybe it's one of those things. It's like, just because you're great in one property doesn't inherently mean you're going to be great in other properties. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's another lesson in managing expectations that we need to do as a public. Uh, Maybe it's not fair to expect, you know, just because you're good at one thing, you'll be good in everything that's even similar. But... I agree with that, especially with what we've got to offer this month. Yep. Yeah. So um, we like to go back and forth, so Matt's going to start us off. Uh, what's the first movie we're going to be talking about, Matt? The first one is Pokemon Detective Pikachu, and I'm having a debate about
1: whether how to say that, but Pokemon, uh, directed by Rob Letterman, cast Ryan Reynolds for Justice Smith, Catherine Newton, Bill Nighy, Ken Watanabe, Chris Gear and Sookie Waterhouse. Uh, over there in the states it made 131.6 million dollars uh, overseas 262.6 which gave it 394 million uh, worldwide 66% on Rotten Tomatoes and 53 on Metacritic so and it
0: should be noted that those numbers are as of recording cuz this is still in box offices in some places so it could still this make some more st- money
1: this is still out so they may go up or down uh, mine's still yet to go on that tomato meter so it may go up or down depending on my review but um, I'll quickly start by saying I'm not a Pokemon fan so I haven't got the attachment of going into this with high expectations of having Bulbasaur and Muse and all that um, I don't know about any of that so with all, all I do know is a lot of people were talking about this making a billion dollars at the box office and I spoke to John about this earlier on the to- this total of 300 odd million isn't going to blow anyone's doors off and isn't really you know sequel worthy if you're going to get there already. I mean, the film itself doesn't really set one up, I don't think, but um, it hasn't really done well at the box office, I don't think. But like John said, it's still out there. The synopsis, basically, a a detective goes missing mysteriously and his young son, Tim, who's played by Justice Smith, has to find out what happens. And along the way, he meets uh, the detective's former Pokemon, which is Pikachu, played by voiced by Ryan Reynolds. And and they also have Catherine Newton's sassy junior reporter, Lucy, and her duck as well. So if you know what a Pokemon is, you'll know what a Psyduck is. Um, (laughs) uh, First off, it's fun enough. It's got the, the plots fairly standard. And for me, the most of the enjoyment came from Ryan Reynolds' voice work. Obviously, it's a lot less crass than Deadpool, but there are some fun moments in it. His chemistry as Justice Smith was very good, and he's a lot better here than he was in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, going into it, I was slightly worried about Pikachu with a human voice, especially Ryan Reynolds, because he has got a very distinct voice, mainly due to Deadpool, but I thought he was really good. And I thought it worked. I love the fact that uh, Pikachu is just a caffeine fiend. Um, the CGI is pretty good. Pikachu was awesome. It makes me want to have a Pikachu. Um, but I think for me, this works a bit better. I, mean, you, you, I know you're more of a fan than I am of the world, or the yeah. games anyway, but I think it works better if you have some kind of immersion or attachment to the world of Pokemon, or the Poke world, because a lot of the references went right over my head, and sure. I tried to view it as a fantasy film where, you know, you have these uh, strange and weird creatures which no- don't necessarily need explaining; they are just there in the world. But I didn't understand an awful lot of it. But I liked the performances. I thought Bill Nighy was—he seemed like he was having a lot of fun. But it was for me; it was it was better than middle of the road. I think I gave it a seven out of ten overall, but. It was a uh, it was okay.
0: Well, um I am a Pokémon fan, although I I can't say that I've been a Pokémon fan. Um when I when the the Pokémon like first phase of popularity happened, I was in high school, so I was like that's for babies, it's not, you know, for me. Even though there were people my age who were getting into it, I just shrugged it off. I didn't play the games. Um I I didn't get into Pokémon until maybe 4 or 5 years ago. Um, I had a student graduate who I wanted to stay in uh, contact with, Um, so I started, like, kind of latching on to things he was interested in so I'd have a reason to talk to him. So I got into uh, (laughs) Magic the Gathering, a card game, and then uh, I got into uh, the Pokemon video game first, and I played the card game, Um, and then a couple years after that, Pokemon Go came out, and it just exploded even more. I was already into it, and then Pokemon Go became a huge trend here in the States. Everyone was playing it. It's huge over here. And so I was, you know, playing that, and I still actually play Pokemon Go. Um, I just bought a Nintendo Switch in anticipation of Pokemon Sword (laughs) and Shield, um, but I'm currently playing Pokemon Let's Go, in fact, uh, which is the kind of rebranding of Pokemon Yellow, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I definitely went in with different eyes than you did, as I was excited, and I love the character design of almost every Pokemon. There was only one uh, that I don't want to say, because it's not technically a spoiler, but it, I feel like Pokemon fans will want to see the Pokemon show up that show up mm-hmm. and not have me tell you what's going to show up. But I, there was only one design that I just thought didn't look enough like the regular character in the games and the properties. Um, and I, I couldn't believe that it was, because almost every other one I think looks amazing. Even if it looks a little different, I think they look so cool. They're photorealistic. I just think... Um, they they look like you could hold like pikachu looks like you could hold him and you could pet him and you would feel the individual hairs he might shock you um but you know <laughs> i i really love the look of this film um i like the city uh, i think it's rhyme city which now, Rime city, yeah. um i love the what the design of the city and if you're familiar with pokemon um the game they they do something very interesting because rhyme city there is no pokeballs um, and there's no poke battles, So most of what you're familiar with with Pokemon is not here in the city. It does bring up some very troubling ideology issues that have always existed with Pokemon. Is that if Pokemon <laughs> are the equivalent of wild animals in our world, isn't it Pokemon battling, essentially, dogfighting? And that has been a debate for a long time. And it does put a dark spin on the world, especially since now there's a city that has banned Pokemon battles. Um, really? I mean Rhyme Oh sorry in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rhyme City <laughs> is like there's no there's not supposed to be Pokemon battles. They're supposed to be like uh an equal. They're your partner. They're your your you're not gathering them all. You're you're you have one who is your like assistant essentially. Um and you kinda coexist more like a human pet relationship, um, than what you see in the traditional games and stuff where they're stuffed in Pokeballs and they only come out when you want to train or fight them. Um so you know it does put a dark kind of look if you if you come from that angle the thing that i loved so much about this movie though was the similarity to another loved uh hybrid animation live action movie from the 80s who framed roger rabbit um the two films share so much uh they're both noir inspired um both are detective stories although we flipped the roles in the in who framed roger rabbit the human's the detective cartoon character is the uh the one in need of a detective here it's the other way around Pikachu is the detective um Justice Smith is the kind of unwilling pulled into this world of of corruption um and I love that I'm a big fan of the noir genre and um I thought it worked really well here Uh, I also enjoyed the performances I I have been a fan of Justice Smith although I won't fight for him with uh lost or um Jurassic World um I will I, I like Paper Towns and I I also was a fan of um I think it's every day that he plays a kind of jerk character, but I liked him in both of those uh, films. And so I was all on board for him here. And I think he does a really good job. Um, I do feel like Ken Watanabe is maybe getting uh, used poorly this summer. You know, like he's typecast for sure. And I think he does good in the performance, but he's barely in the movie. And I feel like that's going to apply again later on. Um, in, in another movie that we're going to talk yeah. about but, um, which is a shame because I think he's a great actor I, like, I really love him in Inception and um, I've seen other films but that's the one that popped in my head right now so I'm just going to go with that but uh, I think Pokemon Detective is definitely going to be um, better if you go in with a Pokemon fandom because you're going to like you said there's tons of little references there's just in every shot there's like a thousand things you could look at and identify like oh my god that's that look at that there's this thing And if you've never seen any of the Pokemon stuff, it's not going to mean anything to you. You're just seeing a world. I do think the filmmakers did a good job of creating a very immersed world without feeling the need to explain everything. And I think you can watch the movie, as you apparently did, without knowing everything and still be in the world. Like, you get the gist of it. Um, There's enough there to set it up, but it's not... They don't spend 20 minutes explaining every Pokemon's behavior. You know, it's just, here's the thing. And everything felt... Uh, pretty organic. I mean, the plot's very straightforward, simple, um, there's nothing, like, amazing or spectacular there. I think it works, though, um, and I, again, I, I think it looks really great, which was something that we were concerned with when they announced this, and then, uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer dropped, and, <laughs> and it kind of showed how wrong they could have gone, um, you know, with changing character design so much that it, it's almost unrecognizable as the same brand of character. So you know, um, overall, I, I went in uh, looking for a good time and uh, something I could enjoy and laugh at, and I got that. So I was very happy at the end of Pokemon Detective Pikachu.
1: So that's all you need. If you want to, if you, a, a film like this, you want to come out of the theater and you at least you want to have enjoyed yourself. Even if it's not the top ten, top twenty of the year, you want at least want to have a good time. Um, I guess to be on your point, let Rob Letterman did kind of set the stool out very early on. You mentioned, obviously, no Pokemon battles and whatnot now. I mean, they pretty much got that out of the way in the first five, six minutes of the film, which, for mm-hmm. someone like me, did help. So I kind of knew it wasn't going to be like watching the animated series on, on the TV or anything like that. It was a completely different kind of thing. But I haven't actually looked into this, but I don't know if, if you have. What are Do you know what the fans are saying, like the diehard Pokemon fans are saying? Are they uh, into this, or are they kind of shunning it like Star Wars fans do The Last Jedi?
0: Well, if you're going to go by box office, I, I would say they're not flocking to it. Um, mm-hmm. We There's evidence to support there are far more Pokemon fans out there than the <laughs> yeah. box office indicates. Some um, of them
1: might be too young to watch the film.
0: Maybe. It's it, It's not totally kid-friendly. I mean, it's mainly kid-friendly, but it it, it deals with uh, some dark themes. Mm-hmm. Um, he does curse a couple of times as Pikachu, which is funny. Um, and it's definitely kind of a nod for the Deadpool fans out there. Yeah. But it's not um, too much, though, yeah. No, it's not too much. But, it, again, like, if you're expecting the cartoon um, Pokemon, like, cartoon level of family friendliness, I don't think this movie does that. Um, mm-hmm. And it deals with some, you know, darker themes, uh, themes that kids could relate to, but which I'm okay with. I feel like modern day we try to, we try to protect our kids maybe too much with the animated stuff because you look at some of the 80s animated stuff, like the stuff I grew up with, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I saw opening weekend. As a yeah, kid, I mean, and that movie deals my, with murder. And... My
1: daughter's three, and this weekend she's watching The Exorcist, so, I mean, she doesn't know that yet, <laughs> but it's getting to go out quickly, isn't it?
0: I mean, you know, if there is a family movie that exists, The Exorcist is it. But yeah,
1: Exactly, it, it tells you how not to bring up your kid, but uh, yes. no, we're
0: just just for the parents out there, she's not watching The Exorcist. Yeah, nobody call him in or report him. Yeah, um, yeah, please don't report me. But, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like this movie, it, it, the, the younger audience maybe is being held back from it, Um, I think too, like, uh, having Ryan Reynolds attached, he is, I I, like, I'm a fan of Reynolds. I tend to like him in almost anything. There are other people who feel the opposite, who can't stand him, think he's kind of obnoxious. Um, I, I don't get it. Like he cracks me up. I watched Deadpool 2 with my wife last night on HBO. And I've already seen it a couple of times, but like I still, I, I once I started watching it, I was just hooked. In he cracks me up. I find him to be hilarious. He's
1: kind of he's kind of found his niche now, hasn't he? Because he's he's done stuff before, which which admittedly wasn't particularly very good. But as Deadpool, as characters like this, he's kind of found his box office draw kind yeah. of, and it works for him because he's naturally a funny guy. Mm. Um, he's a handsome guy. So underneath that mask and behind a Pikachu doesn't always help. But um, he's becoming kind of a I wouldn't say a box office draw because. You know, people aren't flocking to see this because of Ryan Reynolds, but um, the Deadpool films make a lot of money, and I think seeing his name attached now, we will get a few more people in because they may because he kind of know what to expect now with a Ryan Reynolds film, kind of.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know if people are holding back because of that. Maybe it's Justice Smith isn't a big enough draw himself since he is the face of the movie. Like maybe he needed a bigger uh, teen actor for that role or twenty something actor. And i want to
1: say katherine um, newton's also she's she's good in this film i like her and I, I like And she's been in things like three billboards she was in um blockers as well last yes, year so she's getting yeah. and um ladybird i want to say so she's been in some big films whether she's been in prominent roles or not but i thought she was good in this film for the um, kind of smaller role she had
0: and i want to throw out poor suki waterhouse uh who gets kind of a thankless <laughs> task of not getting any dialogue um i've seen her in a few things and i tend to like her uh, so I, I was excited when I saw her name, and then, like, when I realized who she was in the movie, I'm like, well, okay, I guess she's in the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. she's not in it's it very a stretch, much. It's crediting her in the film. But... Yeah, but, you know, and I, I always um, like Bill Nighy. Um,
1: yep, two good British actors there, eh? so, Suki and Bill.
0: And, yeah, you know, it, it's it's a good movie overall. And, again, I think it's the kind of the modern-day Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, obviously, it's easier, I think, for them to add the animation in uh than it was for what they did yeah. with Hoofing roger rabbit but um and to give you know robert zemeckis who i think has totally lost his mind now with the movies that he's making <laughs> uh that movie and, and that little run he had in the 80s was just so strong obviously he's had bigger movies since then um but and
1: welcome to marwin
0: yeah and then he had the recent <laughs> Welcome to marwin but um he's always liked to experiment and so he did that early and uh i love seeing that kind of throwback even to like the lighting in this in this film and um it's got the noir vibe so so perfect uh i I really do enjoy like when we first meet detective pikachu that whole sequence is, is something out of Uh, an old noir film you know it's just it's it's really great
1: Um, it is framed like that you're right it's framed but yeah just down to the shadows and the lighting it does have that kind of real vintage throwback feel to the classic noirs obviously I'm not saying it is a classic noir but it does have those nods to it which is good to see And, and, and I hadn't really thought about the Roger Rabbit um uh similarities as well but now you mention it you can see it but yeah i bet it was a lot easier to insert pikachu in than it was roger yeah. and jessica and all that
0: but still time consuming i mean that to do all the pokemon because there's scenes still where there's like 40 yeah. 50 pokemon on screen at a time and think of all of that's added you know what i mean it's so like all of that had to be created and they all look great even in those they're not even doing anything they're in the background and they still look amazing like they they didn't just like slap a blurry object in the background because it's in the background. It's like full on. Here's the city full of Pokemon. Like that opening shot Ooh. of Rhyme City, is insane. All the Pokemon that are there, and they're, you know, they they all have the same level of detail. So no no criticism to the uh, visual production at all. Like like oh, Roger Rabbit was hard. Roger Rabbit was different. This is still hard, and it's still time consuming, and it's still a lot of computer processing and a lot of man hours to do all of it. So I I, I don't mean any disrespect. I'm just saying. Uh, that you would have had to rotoscope the entire Hoof yeah. Roger. Oh, yeah. the,
1: the technology now makes it less yeah. of a thankless task to do it, but it's still, anyone who does visual visual work or animation is, uh, you get big respect because that's a hard job. To, yeah. And especially when it's put on such a big canvas for so many people t- to essentially tell you it doesn't look very good. So, um... That's, yeah, but that's what a lot of people which, do you now. More a people little bad. will say how bad it does than how good it does, unfortunately.
0: And I feel a little bad for the Sonic the Hedgehog film because, frankly, I wish they would have just released it as it was even though it didn't look great. are not going to make
1: him look good. I, I can't see what they... I don't know what they're going to do with his teeth other than make them bigger to well, really make that character look more like that and, and put a pair of gloves on him to make it look any less or any more like the character from the film, from the games. And remember, it's, a, it's like a four-foot hedgehog with skinny legs and... He didn't even look like a hedgehog, so,
0: you know. Uh, to be fair, I've never thought There's he no looked reference. like a hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's never resembled the actual hedgehog, in my opinion. Exactly. But, um, yeah, other Hedgehogs than the fact blue. that... Yeah, and they, they can roll into a ball, but, you know, I don't know. Um,
1: they don't wear red shoes, either.
0: I mean, mine did, but... Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have to say about Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I um, enjoyed it. Yeah, we both liked it. I liked it a little more, but I definitely have a bigger connection to the property. Um, yeah. And from what I've heard, people say the same. If you if you're a fan of the the property, it does it justice, and you'll you'll be happy with that at least. The next movie, I'm a fan of the property, or at least I was. I don't know if I still <laughs> am. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> um, the uh, director Michael da- Daughtry, Daughtry has done a few other films but nothing um worthy of really like getting into there was one that i think i might have liked a little bit trick or um, treat was awesome i saw okay see i've not seen trick or treat so that oh, is uh, actually oh and i love krampus um so yeah but then superman returns he was a writer on uh, obviously that movie is generally disliked um <laughs> but yeah i've heard trick or treat is really good and apparently he's doing trick or treat too um but he I, needs to I like Krampus a lot, actually, um, but, you know, uh, movie has a massive cast, and that's not even getting into the monsters that are also in this movie, because there's several of those as well, but we have Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, Zia-, Zia Zhang, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, Charles Dance, Thomas Middleditch, Aisha Hines, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and David Strathairn, um, as, uh, there's other people, too, that are barely on screen, Um, if you felt like that was too many names for a movie that also features Godzilla, Mothra, Jadira, Rodan, and a slew of others, um, what did I say it wrong? Gadeira, sorry? Yeah, I I said that. I keep saying that one wrong. I want to call it Hydra, because I'm a fan of Greek mythology, and it's a freaking Hydra. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's done, as of uh, the recording of this episode, it did 51 million domestic, 130 uh, foreign so bringing the total right now to 181 million which is far more money than i think it deserves uh it's rotten tomato score is sitting at 40 percent metacritic at 48 and this has gotten a lot of internet backlash uh from the fans of this movie um you know, mocking critics and and the funny thing is i keep seeing references to like the critics as though the critics are complaining that there's not enough human Um, Elements and I don't feel like that's what the critics that I've seen, including my my own opinions, it's not that there's not enough. It's that there is so much and it's bad. The human drama in this movie is so god awful. The writing is horrible. I don't know, like, if they just it feels like they just pulled lines from any movie ever and dropped them into this. (laughs) They cram the storyline into the 2014 uh, Godzilla film where like they literally superimpose the 2014 movie in the background um yeah. we get the halo drop which is like the coolest shot in that freaking movie you know the the guys parachuting with the red lights it just looks amazing we see that in the background we we meet Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga, and they're looking for something and it's 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 so mind blowing how bad they they drop the ball in this movie <laughs> um because you do have this great premise. And I, I have issues with the visuals in this film. And I had a little bit with the 2014. I don't know if buildings would have this much smoke and ash if they were destroyed. Because I've been very fortunate not to. I know that when 9-11 happened, there was a lot of ash and dust. and So I, I can see maybe the world looks like a Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> but, but I don't like it. It, it makes it so, so muddy and, and not appealing it's one of the things I love about the old Godzilla movies is the clarity of the the fights like yes they're clearly guys in suits and yes they're clearly standing in fake little worlds but at least you can see what's going on and that is really yeah. what I'm watching it for um, that was one of the things that I did like about Pacific Rim uprising versus the original Pacific Rim I like both movies I do I am a defender of uprising which just further proves to me how bad <laughs> this movie has to be because most people hated uprising I am a defender of it because all I want is cool, robot fights or cool kaiju fights or the combination of both and I'm content like the story surrounding it just needs to be there to tie it all together but it needs to be simple and eloquently done this movie feels so forced and like none of the characters seem to be on the same page of what movie they're in i don't know what thomas middleditch's character was doing in this movie and i like him big fan of silicon valley um he was in an indie film called untangled last year that i watched and reviewed i i actually liked that quite a bit it's one of the few random indie films that get shoved at me that i i picked up and was like hey this is actually pretty solid um here like there's there's a joke about the monsters having sex early in the film that Mm. just feels so out of place and like Like, wait, when did that happen? You're saying they're all sleeping. When did you get video footage of the freaking monsters having sex? Like, what is happening in this freaking movie? So the biggest, to me, of all the criticisms that you can levy at this film, it's the, the fact that O'Shea Jackson Jr., who has stolen the show from every film he's been in, like, every time I've seen him in anything, he's very rarely the lead, but every time he's in something, he is the best part of that something that I've seen. From this year's long shot, which we'll talk about towards the end of this episode, um, last year's, I think it was last year's Ingrid Goes West, uh, he's in, obviously, Straight Outta Company, he plays his dad, he's great in that. I don't know if he steals that movie, but he's a part of a great ensemble in that film, and he, he works. Den of Thieves, trash movie, he is by far the best part of it. Yet, in Godzilla, he's almost a blip he's like not even in the movie yet he's in the movie a lot but they do not use him at all like he's somehow the soldier that is in every battle i don't know how because there's no sense of of geography or time in this movie they people just go places um they're they're always where they need to be uh apparently you can travel the globe in like 20 minutes it's none of it makes sense Uh, none of it zero sense is made in this film um i i I can't believe it's over two hours on top of everything else like this movie should have been an hour and a half trim down the human cast to maybe five people keep a very simple story that this is that what they're going through during the events of this thing i don't know why they feel this need to make this bigger mythology um there is a shoehorned in environmental like like plots line it's like okay we get it yes our world is dying it's our fault don't don't just throw it out there to like that's a real issue if you want to make a movie that's about that and how you know godzilla and these monsters represent mother nature like getting back at us make that movie you can't throw it in as just like a sidebar like oh yeah this thing okay let's get back to the human drama like no <laughs> that's too big of a thing to just let it be this hanging point and um i honestly i don't think any performance is fantastic in this movie um I, like i i kyle chandler feels like he's playing the same character he was in in manchester by the sea uh thomas middleditch has no idea what he's doing here bradley whitford is playing his cabin in the woods character which i enjoy and i kind of think works in this movie because i am so annoyed with it i kind of felt like he was annoyed with it so i was on the same page as him ken Watanabe. um here we go man dude talk about typecasting or stereotype casting at one point he quotes a fortune cookie um i mean uh, and did you know that uh zia Zhang plays two characters she plays twins no you no know, you know why because there's no moment in the film that identifies it's a separate person <laughs> if, <laughs> but if you look at the imdb credit she has two names and i think i think uh if you're uh, familiar with mothra as a like kaiju character there are uh, twins that sing the song for Mothra. And I think her character is supposed to represent the twins. Uh, there's some implications in the film. Very badly done. But I, like, I was looking for references to the old movies. And there are some really cool nods to the old movies. Um, I, I'm definitely coming across as though there's nothing good. There is some cool stuff in the movie. There's some really cool visuals. I love the look of Godzilla. I think some of the fights are really awesome but there's so much trash around it that it's hard to say anything positive about this movie. And that makes me very, very sad because I think this was probably in my top four for, like, hyped-up movies for the summer. Like, I was so excited for this movie and I walked out very, very, very disappointed.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the pack rim uh, similarity. So I was going to mention that the first Pacific Ring was very decent. I didn't like the second one. That's one of our disagreements. Up, uh, Pacific Ring Uprising, even with John Boyega in it, didn't like it. It wasn't very good. This, to me, is very similar. The first Godzilla, people complained about the lack of Godzilla in it, but Gareth Edwards showed a better flair for incorporating the human characters, yep. building attention and how to use his monster. Yes, he maybe wasn't in as much as it could have been, Godzilla, but It was kind of... The way Gareth Edwards kind of teased at the monster, only for the big reveal at the end, it worked for me. And that was a much better movie than this one. Um, We mentioned this now, if Michael Doherty could just get on and make Trick or Treat 2, get back to what you're good at. If you're listening, I do apologise. But uh, King of the Monsters is one. I really look forward to this because this had some of the best marketing for any movie I've seen in a long time. I think they really sold this film well. The trailers were brilliant, from the music to the way that they made... These particular shots look like literally like paintings, on you'd have on your wall. the The imagery was stunning, but it was awful. Kyle Chandler's the, the wettest, limpest hero I've ever seen, or certainly seen for a long time. It's literally there's no nothing about him made me think you could do any of this. Um, Millie Bobby Brown became more annoying as the film went on. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was put more to the character than her, but. She was basically acting with her face towards the end, and it was starting to grate on me a little bit. Um, Once the monsters were off screen, the movie just became sort of B to C movie naff. The fights were good, the monster fights, when we finally got them. But But there's only so much you can really sit through and tolerate, because even then they started to get too elongated, and there was too much going on, and it started to feel a bit like a Transformers film, where... Everything was edited so quickly quickly together and there's just loud explosions and these big things going at each other where you start to lose track of what's actually going on. But uh, there's a Pixie song in this, which is really good. It's probably one of the best parts of the film. That was towards the beginning, they played that. Um, the, probably the, the, the dialogue was awful. One of the soldiers says, you've got to be effing kidding me. And that's probably the best line of the film. Yep. It, pretty much what I thought throughout most of it. But... Um, the monsters look good I thought Ghidorah looked incredible King Ghidorah so incredible the how uh, the CG on that was brilliant and they really made how do I say this Without that like a pompous idiot but they really made, gave some sort of majesty to that character made it a king um, so I really liked that Godzilla looked good again but it to me it just fell into sort of loud crashes and bangs and I didn't care for the characters the humans the writing and the way that I think John, JB said it as well like, the exposition dump that occurred to that whole film everything was spelt thing. out to you like you're a five it was just, considering that Godzilla was surprisingly quite decent and this looked so good the marketing for this was incredible I thought really good but it's, oh, it's just really not very good for a film which had these four or five math, massive mythical monsters um, and also coming off the back of Kong's Skull Island which was quite good this, this is just crap basically and I don't know what um Godzilla vs King Kong is going to be like but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than this so this was a lot of style over any substance and yeah. the box office this film's been out for a week so it's not like it's been out for a long time but it's been out for a week and it's only I didn't even crack 200 million it's only, only made 50 million in the United States in a week and I yeah. thought this kind of film the states would eat up but and even domestic uh, for, uh, foreign 130 million dollars is, is nothing
0: well, and that's one of the, the big complaints that, um, uh, one Godzilla King of the Monsters is one of the first films that is, uh, using the new Rotten Tomatoes audience score system where it mm-hmm. only verified ticket purchases that have to be bought through. I think Fandango, um, yep. can, can give it a rating. And so Godzilla's marketing since the movie's release have been kind of bashing critics, like by like using the audience Use score fan
1: school, yeah.
0: and, um, and so there's been a stir with that, um, you mentioned the exposition. I have been calling this movie Godzilla King of Exposition. Uh, and I've been calling it something else. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Kong versus Godzilla. Um, I am hoping there isn't some weird scene in the movie where we discover that both of their moms is named Mothra. And there's another Zack Snyder joke for you, because why not?
1: Um, or no sort of inter-beast sex or anything like that. Yeah, Adam geez. Wingard's directing, which gives me no hope for that film as well.
0: What, he did, um, the Blair Witch last, was that his last movie? He did that, and I believe he also did, did he do Death Note? Oh, I think he did do Death Note, which
1: yeah, he I did, did. Not he, did see. he did Your your Next, which was, a, and VHS, which are two quite good. Books. I would seen VHS, Blair,
0: I like Your Next, though, a lot.
1: Your Next is good, VHS is it's a pretty good anthology, Blair Witch is alright, but Death Note was...
0: Blair Witch is uh, not alright, Blair Witch was very bad, I was so oh, disappointed. didn't mind <laughs> Blair Witch, actually,
1: <laughs> but Death Note was not good
0: yeah um i didn't i i never made it to death note because i heard how bad it was so i just like, even on up.
1: Netflix.
0: yeah yeah, yeah that, you know what that happens a lot more f- considering i've had netflix for probably like 10 years now like I've, i think i've had it almost consecutively since it's been a thing like to stream and i i skip a lot of movies like i never watch bright um i take and it's like it cost me nothing to watch these movies but it, it just doesn't feel like it's worth my time um uh, you know because it's just uh some of the stuff they pump out i feel like they pump out too much sometimes but and that's it's true, true of Hollywood so every well.
1: now and then they get every now and then they strike gold but um and i have like the film came out this month um the perfection which is getting a lot of buzz for for good or bad reasons but every now and then they get a movie which is pretty de- pretty damn good but then they give us things like death note and bright you've mentioned that and cloverfield paradox and you can't even remember that. Yeah. They're yeah are not that good as
0: a studio yet. I, I didn't hate Cloverfield Paradox. I did hate Kissing Booth and I don't know why people <laughs> like that. I also but on the other hand, I very much liked uh, to all the boys I loved before or who came oh, before. Oh yeah. That was, I, I thought I that I was for that good. in my
1: top 15 of last year. I thought that was really good.
0: Yeah, I I just watched it a few months ago and I really really liked it and I'm good planning time. on watching the new ali Wong and Randall Park movie that is now going to elude me. It came out last weekend, though. I cannot think of what it's called. But um, um, Ali Wong wrote it. Cool, but... Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to check that one out. I've heard some pretty good things about it. Um,
1: always always Be My Maybe?
0: Yes, that's it. Always Be My Maybe. Um, I'm a fan of Randall Park, and I like Ali Wong uh, stand-up. So I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, what they've come up with. I've heard, I've heard mixed things, but from the people that I generally agree with i've heard good things so i'm excited about checking it out
1: and i like the mayor it's mayor stories from oh. with uh, ben still and msana i really like that um, me too and this That's... conversation is actually better than godzilla
0: yeah i know this this is more exciting and i don't feel as angry as i did when i was talking about godzilla i feel like so, the
1: weight's been lifted off my shoulders now
0: although uh, tonight sir as when we're a couple hours after we finish recording this <laughs> i'm rushing off to see uh, x-men dark phoenix
1: Ugh. The glutton for punishment. I'm going to watch it this weekend, and I've I've seen the initial Rotten Tomato scores. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the the percentage it's currently at at the minute, but boy oh boy.
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember for sure, but I know it was it was pretty low. Um, which eighteen like, percent. Oh Jesus, but yeah, I was anticipating yeah. that. Um, I'm sending you a picture right now, sir, uh, because I bought my ticket online today. And the picture they used of Sophie Turner on my ticket is the most, like, she looks so unhappy. <laughs> I'm just like, that's the picture you use on the ticket for the movie? <laughs> yeah. Is this, like, supposed to help me with my own face? So when I'm done, that's like, oh, I look like that. Okay. I guess it that's It was what...
1: like the winter all over again when people, all the actors were walking around just sweating in tears. Like, they realized I couldn't get out of their contract for that film.
0: Oh, man. I am so oh my not God, looking forward look to
1: that. Oh, wow. She looks, she just looks like she's like contemplating why. The just the word "why" is going through her head. Why did I do this? And why am I here? Uh,
0: I I gotta say, I feel like maybe again, um, this is we didn't say it directly at Millie Bobby Brown, but she was the character actress we were talking about when we were saying like maybe they should stick to their TV shows. Sophie Turner got really popular because of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I never thought she was particularly great in Game of Thrones. To be honest, I don't actually think many of them are great in Game of Thrones. As much as I enjoyed the
1: first five series, though, yeah. um, Tyrion, I, of course, oh,
0: amazing um, Peter Dinklage. Is well,
1: Peter it, Dinklage, that's right. He's very good. I know it's probably 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 quite hip to say that now. Charles Dance was good in The, um, the dude who played Rob Stark was very good. I like I like, I like him.
0: Uh, he's in Rocket Man. Yeah, that's uh, right. He's
1: in Rocket Man, and um, he was up for playing James Bond as well, apparently. But well, may still be up for playing James Bond, but. I like. I think it was better acted when it was more of a character piece rather than kind of all out. More when when the CGI anime started coming in, it lost that. This is a different story for a different time, but it lost that its way. I think, and I think a lot of the performances did. But yeah, I'm not sure that I'll probably get flamed for this, but I'm not sure anybody really came out of that with a burgeoning film career ahead of them.
0: No, and this this movie might be the thing that ends Sophie Turner's options because it looks. Yeah
1: real bad and just well, tv like... pays well now so tv tv is almost like mini movies so it's, yeah
0: you know they right. can make
1: they'll do well in tv and they do in a film they're not bad actors by any means i just want to get that out there now but i mean amelia clark hasn't set any had set the world alight with her film career mm-hmm. um kit harrington i can't see as a big film star I
0: no, know what it the, is something the about movies he's his. tried has just not clicked
1: as much as i like somebody like hayden christensen he's got that kind of edge to him where he will only work in certain things but he will never kind of crack that mainstream um or ha- is this is something about him which i think is a, not a good kind of guy but it's just something about him which will never sort of crack i don't think but yeah what do i know
0: and we should note uh just to tie in the game of thrones connection here charles dance is in godzilla king of the monsters he is, yeah. and is is basically just playing tywin lannister again um <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I think we've said enough about that movie, so much so that we actually talked about other things instead. So <laughs> what's our next movie? Uh, the next film, let's see if it's any better than
1: Godzilla, King of the Moines. Oh, of course it is. Any Most things are. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. We spoke about the fact that it had to give itself a strange subtitle, but apparently Parabellum, apparently, I think it means lots of guns or something like that. I Googled it after watching the film. Uh, it's, it's a made-up again-
0: word, I believe, for the film, though. They say it? it in the movie um that's i think my understanding is it's a word they made up for the movie and it has a context within the film itself but yeah it's it's a dumb name for the title i don't know why they didn't just keep it john wick chapter three yeah you
1: should have. i've just googled it parabellum apparently is a noun which means a type of semi-automatic pistol or machine gun it kind of makes a bit more sense but yeah when they dropped it in the in the film it was a bit like the moment of family guy where peter mentions how they when they yeah, say the name of the yeah. title in it so he said oh, he said parabellum that's it um Chad Stahelski's back again for the third time to direct and of course Keanu Reeves stars as John Wick Halle Berry Ian McShane Lawrence Fishburne Mark Dacascos Asia Kate Dillon Lance Reddick and Angelica Huston star in this film now over there in the states 127 million dollars uh world um sorry foreign 98 million it hasn't hit 100 worldwide yet uh, giving it an overall total of 225 million but get this Rotten Tomatoes 90% And the Metacritic, a very decent 73 as well. So lots of people like this film. Everywhere I've been uh, and seen and watched and read has been pretty pretty universal in its praise of this film. And I couldn't wait to go and see this. The Baba Yaga is back for his third spin. We all remember five years ago, John Wick was quite a big surprise because I thought it was going to be rubbish. Just because it just looked like another one of those peppermint type of films where you can see the beats come in and it's just all action for the sake of it. But there was something about it. It was stylish it had Keanu Reeves in it, which is always a win almost. But he embodied that role. And it was quite a small assassin tale. Uh, chapter 2 was a good sequel. I thought a very good sequel, actually. And now, of course, we get this third film. There's no point going into it because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get some kick-ass action. Keanu Reeves being a boss. That new, CD kind of noir aesthetic get again. And you get all of that in spades. Plus Halle Berry shows up to join in the whooping. And she's quite good as well. The thing is, though, J.P., and this is where we're going to differ slightly. The thing is, it's all a bit samey for me now. That's, But that isn't to say I didn't enjoy John Wick 3, because I had a blast with this film. But something was missing this time around, there was a spark missing. And I don't know what it was. I mean, I've, I've mentioned it before, and I've mentioned my review, which will be going out later today or tomorrow. But there's something missing for this film. Like, it's bigger, but it's not any smarter. Like, everyone, everybody is an assassin. Wherever John Wick goes... Yeah. Uh everybody's assassin. Everybody. Exactly. The first movie was great because we only saw a handful of the bad guys. John Wick had the the aura about him. He was the Baba Yaga. He was the boogeyman, the thing that was in your nightmares, the thing you tell your kids about. Now he's just an absolute wrecking machine who's indestructible, which kind of takes some of the fun out for me. Even though I'm fully aware these movies are designed to be OTT, there's nothing about John Wick which is realistic. But um, that kind of side of it, there was something missing where, where... there was no respite, and I don't know. It just didn't feel right. John Wick doesn't seem feared anymore. He just seemed like someone that everyone guns for, and it, it just didn't it didn't really seem to go anywhere for me. But you do get to see John Wick going mental on a horse, which is all which was a cinematic highlight of the year for me. There's some good kills, inventive kills to some objects he wouldn't associate with. Oh yeah, a bloody massacre. The choreography is very good. Again, um, again, the visuals look good. I like Tyler Bates soundtrack. There's a bush song at the end as well, at the end credits. So. Uh, Shout out to Gavin Rossdale for being English and handsome. I, I don't know. I, everything about this film is decent. I like it. The writing's good. Ke- Keanu Reeves is just a great hitman assassin. Halle Berry was good. Lawrence Fishburne and McShane. But there was just something. It didn't. To me, it just didn't seem to go anywhere. And you got a. There's a midsection which really kind of started to drag on a bit with John Wick, almost trying to find himself. And I thought, what the hell is going on? But as a chapter four is confirmed, and I really hope it does something a little bit different. I don't know what. But they need, for me, they need to shake it up a bit more because another film of John Wick taking on everybody in the world isn't going to, for me, isn't going to cut it. As much as I enjoyed this film, and I'm not putting it down in any way, the only thing missing for me was the kind of spark which made chapter one and chapter two so good. But I, I enjoyed this film a lot. I just wish it had that extra bit to it. But I've got a feeling I know which side of the line you sit on.
0: Well, actually, I think I'm right on the same line as you. Uh, okay. I I also really loved the movie. I had a I had a mostly good time watching it. But even while watching it, I was struck immediately by a, an issue. Um, I I do feel the first film wants to feel grounded, like an under underworld within the world we live in. Um, like this is a real thing. This really happens, and it's small enough where you could buy into that. Yeah, and then. They they explode the world out maybe too much in the second film, not so much with the continental thing. I I would totally believe that there's an underground like you know, world of criminal activity that has all these operations, but mm-hmm. at, there's a point in the second film where we, Ian McShane's character says something and the entire Central Park basically stops moving and looks at him and John Wick. Yeah, and you're like wait everybody's an assassin like everybody and um and this movie takes that farther okay i'm willing to allow this movie to have gone from its small indie film to this kind of crazy over the top you know insane world fine i'm okay with it i'll let it be um but what i noticed that bothered me with the change in that is that john wick's philosophy on fighting changed in this movie Mm -hmm. and if you watch the first films there are an endless number of bad guys and he dispatches them all quickly and efficiently you know if he doesn't have a weapon he will take their weapon use their weapon to kill them and then move on to the next one here we get far less people in a single fight because he doesn't kill them he it's it's more like a traditional hollywood fight mechanic where mm-hmm. you know, you throw him on the ground, you take out now you fight this other guy, you take him to the ground, the first guy's now back up and fighting you again and it goes for a really long time. Yeah, that was special. not how the first two films handled the fights. He killed everybody. Was it way too many people? Yeah, probably. He probably killed way too many people for it to be feasible that this could continue. But in this movie, they changed to a more traditional Hollywood fight style and I it kind of bothered me and it, it didn't it didn't feel like the same character that i watched for two movies and i'm willing to concede he's he's a little more tired he's a little more weathered here because of what happened in the second film fine it
1: takes it takes place straight away right after does not it it picks up right away yes
0: right away so fine maybe that's the reason but it didn't feel like that was the reason it felt like he was making mm-hmm. decisions where he wasn't picking up their weapons he was like just throwing their guns to the side and then not killing them at least early in the movie and it was it was kind of bugging me and you also you get more like boss fights like it felt it feels even more like a video game um and uh, it's not a complaint it's just like this kind of change the third movie feels different overall i -hmm. still liked it i still had a good time with it there are some amazing action set pieces in this film um and the way they're shot only makes them even more amazing cuz there are wide shots you see what's happening these things are actually real apparently uh there's a sequence you see a hint of it in the trailer with dogs being involved Halle Berry's character mm-hmm. has these attack dogs those are real dogs like in every scene they're not one time supposed to be cg dogs they're supposed to actually be doing what you are seeing on screen and that's freaking insane it's...
1: no 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 thanks they're, they're evil yeah.
0: dogs it's it's a great action movie and I, the thing that I liked about the first two was I thought they were great action movies with really cool stories. Yes. And I, I feel like the story kind of loses its way here. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's double crosses that I don't care for. The Adjudicator, I thought was like such a boring character. Uh, Asia Kate Dillon plays the Adjudicator. Mm-hmm. I thought it it was like, what what's happening? Why What is this character's role? It feels kind of like out of nowhere. I don't like the name of it. Um... Mark it felt the, a bit matrixy. It did, it did. And then Mark Not the, not in a positive way. Not sorry. in a good way. Um, Mark de I was a fan of as a kid because I used to watch uh this movie on HBO all the time called Only the Strong. Uh mm-hmm. it was like it was like dangerous minds but with martial arts. And I loved it as a kid. I just I was really into it. I was really into martial arts and I, I thought it was I'd never had seen Capoeira before and that was the martial art he was uh teaching, so it was really cool because it's the Brazilian martial art of dance. And um He was in uh, the TV show, The Crow. Um, He was The Crow in the TV series. I watched that. And then uh, years ago, he became the uh, the chairman on Iron Chef America here on the Food Network. And I thought it was so, like, I'm like, oh, poor guy. Because he used to be, like, (laughs) this guy I liked as a kid. Now he's just, like, this mocked chairman figure as though he has some real authority. But it's like, "Mm, this is sad. Um, and so, see, I didn't recognize him in this movie. Like, I didn't realize it was him until I was looking at IMDb afterwards. And um, I, I really thought he was great in this. I don't know that the character makes a lick of sense. Um, because the implication with John Wick is that he doesn't have a job. But Zero, yeah, yeah. who is apparently an equal to John Wick in some, some areas, is a sushi chef. So... There's that whole there's a lot of questions that this movie brings up about the world that we're experiencing, and most of them make zero sense um, when you analyze them. But you know, um, there's some awesome sequences in this film. So, again, uh, I just feel like the first two films were smarter with their story. And I think that's what you're saying with that spark that's missing is like, we got the best of both in those first two movies. We got a really great action movie with a really compelling story, not necessarily a complex story, but a compelling story, um, and a really cool world. And I think maybe the world has gotten too crazy, um, where it's not quite as cool anymore. It's like, well, now none of it makes sense. I was already questioning how the gold works in the, in the world of the assassins because they... (laughs) the gold coin will get you to hire a person to dispose of a body for you, but will also buy you one shot of bourbon. So it's like (laughs) the exchange rate is odd in this world. (laughs) Like what is happening? (laughs) Uh, So like, how does that work in pounds? Yeah. It's like that, that seems totally opposite of how things would work. Um, So yeah. Uh, You know, there's still the fun scenes. There's, there's still cool sequences. Um, I definitely like the movie, but it is my—it's definitely the—I uh, would say it's the the third ranked of the three as well. So it's the third movie; it's my third favorite of the series. Again, not a bad movie. I totally enjoyed the crap out of this, but I—I I, I have issues with the direction they seem to be going with the story. So
1: I'm glad you mentioned the word smart as well. It wasn't just what I was thinking. It just—yeah, there was a lack of smarts here compared to those last two films. And what I will say is, firstly, $75 million budget, it's making good money back. So yeah, people are interested in watching these films. But I'll also say, I don't think it suffers from third film syndrome, whereas I know you'll disagree with me here, because I don't think you liked all of the Spider-Man films. But Spider-Man 3, every, we even mentioned it on the this movie astrology recently, that Spider-Man 3 is kind of held up now as the classic third film. You had two great ones before, or good ones, or respected ones, and then this absolute you know, toilet blocker at the end of it, and I don't think John Wick three is that. The first two are very no. good, and I think John Wick three is just a good film. So it doesn't, uh, and critics and the audience are disagreeing there because by the sound of it, they think it's a, a marvelous film, RogerEbert gave well, okay, a four out of four, but I don't. So I don't think it's the third film. In, this, in the series that brings it down and now we know we're getting no. a fourth film it's not a trilogy but I, would, I think it's a fairly decent it's a solid enough film yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think maybe I think we like you said we've just been spoiled by the first two films being so decent that when they just went balls to the wall in this film it kind of felt a bit too much
0: yeah and that's I I think if you were looking at this strictly as like an action film it's an amazing film I think the action sequences are some of the best uh, definitely the best I've seen this year but mm-hmm. some of the best period like they're so well choreographed they're so interesting they're so innovative too with like like there's a knife fight in this movie that is ridiculously awesome it still doesn't feel like a john wick fight if you base it on like what i said from the first two films because he takes way too long to dispatch of everybody but it's an amazing fight like and that you could say about multiple scenes so if you're looking at it just from that i totally think it's a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes and again i did i really like this movie and so but no i agree this is not some trash third film of a franchise this does not bring the franchise uh down to a like i don't feel like this destroys the franchise Mm -hmm. i do think it 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 tarnishes some of the things i love about the first two and not not that it tarnishes the first two films. I don't think it does any damage to the first two films. It just didn't bring as much with it to the third film. Like it feels like there's something missing, like you said, that the first two films had that this one's just off on. And I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure if they could have gone if they could have kept that up. Maybe it's an unrealistic expectation to have three amazing, like crazy films like that. Because the first mm-hmm. two were shocking you know again the first film story is simple but it's the allusions to the world that he lives in that is so interesting and so cool and even the uh, like the history of the baba yaga like what is his deal there's myth he's a myth within his own world they talk about him as though he's a fictional character in the world so he's a legend already to them and that made him a legend to us i think and so Mm -hmm. this film by the
1: time he gets to this third film i think that legend's gone Uh,
0: yes and there are moments where he does things that that i think contradict the legends and so maybe that maybe that's on purpose maybe that's the point is that he can't live up in real life to the legend that was created for him because he is just a man he isn't a superhero he's just a man i'm starting uh,
1: to think he actually is the baba yaga literally i'm starting to think he is like a, some sort of demon or unkiller because by the time he's been hit by 12 cars and still have no broken yeah, bones yeah and there's uh, and slashed and shot and beaten then I know Ke- I know, Theodore Logan could take a lot of punishment, but um, you do start to think, what is this guy made of? But I agree about the, the legend side of it.
0: Yeah. And, that, you know, maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's it's the movie's trying to demystify the character a little bit. And that maybe takes away from our experience. Um, yeah. We, we seem very eye-to-eye on this movie, actually. Uh, I didn't
1: I've... think that was going to be the case. I thought you were going to re- really, really love it. I, I wanted think, to. That...
0: As soon as everybody else I've spoken to or, or
1: conversed with or seen online seems to say it's the, you know, the best film of the year. I just expected everyone to think the same. And I thought I'd be the guy, again, who was contra- contrarian. But I'm glad to hear that.
0: I want to say, though, I, it's four and a half out of five stars. But the first two movies are five stars for me. Like Both of the first two films, I've given five stars. This one four and a half so that's
1: that's not too i think i gave it seven and a half out of ten okay because it felt a bit too samey um the good when it the good bits are excellent but there's something missing and i don't know what they're going to do in a fourth film
0: yeah well i mean i i was i went into this expecting it to end with this and i was a little surprised that it ends alluding to a fourth and now confirmed fourth film um and probably more It, it and that bothers me because I do feel like it, we're getting diminished returns, and I do think the world has, has blown out into something that's just not feasible anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it's too big. It's too massive of a world. Um, but, yeah. Uh, all right. John Wick Chapter 3. Um, we uh, liked it, but not as much as I think both of us had hoped and anticipated. And I think I agree. with the next film, we're going to find uh, – we've already actually kind of talked about this, but – um, we're looking at Disney's live-action adaptation of Aladdin, a film that I think last month we both kind of bashed ahead of time. Yeah, um, we dumped
1: on this quite a lot.
0: And uh, partly because like, the, the pictures of Will Smith as the genie didn't look very good. Guy Ritchie has notoriously not been great. Um, and then the, uh, the, the movie, as I just mentioned, Aladdin is directed by Guy Ritchie, stars Will Smith, uh, Mina Massad, Naomi Scott marwin kenzari naveed Negabon, nasim pedrad and billy magnuson um oh, i think i nailed those names i'm not 100 percent uh but uh domestic 190 million um and some change 264 foreign so over almost 500 million for a movie that everyone was kind of expecting to not be great it has a 56 rotten tomato um and a 53 meta score and uh i went in with this um my wife and i went to see it and uh i kind of walked in expecting to be miserable the whole time (laughs) um the trailers had me feeling that way i thought the trailers looked pretty bad um i'm a big fan of the animated one i love robin williams uh robin williams suicide was one of the hardest like celebrity deaths i've ever had to deal with like it really (laughs) hit me like hard like way harder than I would have ever anticipated. Um, he was such a big part of my childhood between Aladdin. Um, I loved Mrs. Doubtfire as a kid. I liked hook, even though a lot Jumanji. of people, uh, Jumanji, I mean, he was always a presence, right? Like I was always familiar with him. Um, and I, I, I avoided some of his, you know, lesser films. Like I never saw flubber and stuff like that, but I saw um, as an adult, I've watched <laughs> more of his stuff, you know, uh, big fan of, of like dead poets and goodwill hunting. Um, and what we did
1: with nolan um
0: uh, insomnia i like insomnia yeah i like that i i I haven't seen all of his movies i've seen many of them i'm a big robin williams fan so i was already kind of like on the defensive about it uh that said i am also a will smith fan though i grew up loving fresh prince of bel-air um i think the first time i remember crying over a tv series was the last episode of fresh prince of (laughs) bel-air i was very sad that it was ending um you know, I, I love men in black. Uh, do not like wild, wild west. Um, I love bad boys. Like the first one, the second one I think is an atrocity to film. Um, there's so much wrong with it, but I, I do like (laughs) the first bad boys is probably the only Michael Bay film. I will still like argue is good, even though it's got some really bad parts and I don't know if it holds up, uh, in today's like culture. Um, it's definitely a little homophobic and uh, sexist, but it's Michael Bay. It's Michael Bay. Uh, so no surprise there. Um, and so I went in with with very low expectations of uh Disney's live action adaptation and I should also note I've ma- basically hated all of the other live action adaptations. Um I didn't mind Jungle Book but I didn't love it and I really like Cinderella. I like Kenneth Brana Cinderella way more than I would have expected, partially because it did something different with the property. <laughs> it didn't just recreate the animated one, which is where I feel like Beauty and the Beast really failed. Is it tried so hard to recreate the magic of that first movie, um, of the animated movie, which is a masterpiece. And it, it just can't, it, it it pales in comparison. Um, the Slash film cast called uh, Aladdin a cover, like a cover band, mm. And um, I kind That's of, it, I it, it is. And I felt that definitely with Beauty and the Beast. And I do agree with that here, except I think this is like a really good cover ban. Um, not all of it. Some of the songs they play aren't so good. Some of the uh, the musicians aren't up to the task. But the ones who are make it enjoyable. And Will Smith is so up to the task. His He is by far the most charming he's been in, in years. Um, I don't remember being this into a Will Smith performance for a long time. Um, and it made me remember like why I was such a big fan of him. He's got his he he does put his flair on the genie it is very much robin williams genie they they take direct lines from the animated movie which i think is a, a, a shame but will smith makes it his there is a will smith air to this whole movie that makes it feel different enough that i enjoyed it um yeah. i thought uh aladdin was solid i i really like princess jasmine The biggest complaint, and this is when I made the the analogy there to the cover band, is Marwin (laughs) Kinzari as Jafar. He sucks. He's horrible in this movie. I don't know. His other movies, I don't remember him in them, but he's in The Mummy with Tom Cruise. If that speaks maybe to the character, I don't remember him in that movie because I try to block that movie out as much as possible. But he's so bad in this. And I don't know if it's him, (laughs) if it's the directing, or if it's... uh, you know, maybe a misinterpretation of what made Jafar so cool. Jafar is an amazing villain in that animated series, and he is so not in this movie. He is dull and bland, and yeah, he has a chip on his shoulder, but who the hell cares? It it just Mm -hmm. did not work for me at all. He, literally, from, like, the opening scene with him, I leaned over to my wife, and I was like, Jafar sucks. And that opinion never changed. He he just kept... (laughs) fulfilling my point of view that yes he is the weakest link in this movie i didn't think um the sultan was very good either uh and billy magnuson who was playing a new character i like him he was really really good in um game night earlier this year and he's in something else that i enjoy him in um it was a it was a funny character but it's it was really weird and didn't seem to be necessary and the biggest thing Matt and I'm gonna this isn't a spoiler per se but there is a new character in this movie um aside from him called Dahlia mm-hmm. and Dahlia yeah. is the uh is Nasim Pedrad um and she is the princess's handmaiden yep and her role in this movie makes this film unofficially yet canonically in my opinion Hitch 2 <laughs> because if you've seen Hitch Uh, A movie that I I don't care for because I'm not a big fan of Kevin James. Um, Will Smith is a uh, matchmaker of sorts. He helps train a guy how to get girls. And then in that movie, he meets the girl of his dreams, and he can't use his own teachings. Like, he becomes a bumbling idiot. Everything he teaches the guys not to be, he is. That literally happens in this movie again, because he's training Aladdin how to be smooth, and makes several of the similar jokes with, with like that you would have gotten Hitch, and then he becomes interested in Dahlia, and is a bumbling buffoon, and even makes a joke like, the kid's rubbing off on me, and it's like, it's freaking Hitch 2! Guy Ritchie made <laughs> Hitch 2, so my theory is Guy Ritchie, big Hitch fan, and wanted to make Hitch the sequel. It's part of a connected universe, the Hitchverse. Yeah, because, I mean, one... And worthy of note here is that this movie's 30 minutes longer than the animated one. Yes. Yet it is a remake in almost every way of the original. So, like, the additional content is mainly built around a framing device that is different than the framing device in the animated film. Like, how we get into the story of Aladdin is different. But then this relationship with Dahlia is a major sidebar that was not in the uh, animated movie. So. Hitch 2 is the reason this film is 30 minutes additional in length. Um, and it, it can't be unseen once you make that connection. But, <laughs> Thanks um, for that. I, did, uh, I enjoyed this far more than I anticipated. Um, I don't think this is a perfect film by any means, but it's very, very watchable. It's very enjoyable. And if you like the animated one, I think you can definitely like this one. I de- I will say the animated is still far superior, but this is a cool kind of... You know, Jeff Kanata from Slash Film uh, made a comparison to this being like if you ever go to uh, Disney World or Disneyland, they have like these like little live action plays of some of their movies. They used to do one in Orlando uh, for Beauty and the Beast in the Magic Kingdom where they did like a live version of Beauty and the Beast. And I always really enjoyed that. And I think if you enjoy those type of things, you can enjoy this movie at that same kind of level. It's not gonna be mind blowing or or amazing and I do think there's some editing issues where things feel a little choppy, some of the cinematography is way too rapid or it's shot too close for certain moments. And Richie makes this choice to speed up the uh, that opening chase scene at the end. Like it just gets like double speed for some reason and I, I thought that was stupid. I, I don't I don't know why he went with that that was a that's a preference um but i, I also want to give a shout out to uh magic carpet and Pooh, both awesome <laughs> in this film um so yeah that uh, again i liked it what were your thoughts
1: matt uh just to double echo that we me and john last week last month sorry both kind of jumped on this film as if to say we will watch it if we have to We'll and then will take uh, we'll, we'll take the youngsters along or something as, as an excuse to actually have to sit there and watch this. But it was quite surprising when it turned out to be quite good actually. Um, not top ten, not top twenty. Doesn't need to be mind, but it was surprisingly quite good. And you mentioned Guy Ritchie, and I know we've spoken about this off air, but what made this film quite good was that it didn't feel like a Guy Ritchie film for me, which was excellent because I haven't really been a fan of his work since literally since about the year 2000. The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was decent, but it, the only really good film he's done recently nobody saw because then he also went to do King Arthur, which lots of people saw and thought was rubbish. But yep. um, I thought I thought it was decent. I thought um, visually it looked good. The Eastern influence brought some colour and some pizzazz. Agrabah looked very good. And you mentioned Will Smith. Thankfully, he was pretty damn good as a genie, blending what, originality and homage very well, because those pictures of him, the still images were horrendous before the film came out. And it took me a few minutes to get into it, because it's still Will Smith. At the end of the day, we, yeah, he's one of those pre- one of those screen presents that whether he's blue or not, is still Will Smith. But after a couple about five minutes or so, it was just Will Smith as a genie. It wasn't you know Will Smith. Um, the guy played Aladdin, uh, Masoud. Uh, he thought, I thought he captured the charm well and the spirit of Aladdin. Naomi Scott was very good as Jasmine. I thought she looked the part and she sounded the part. Vocally, she was on point compared to um, poor Mina Masood when. He sang with though, He sounded quite average, actually. He could hold a tune, but he certainly couldn't carry it as well. Yeah, Marwen Khazari as Jafar was bloody awful. They they turned him into this kind of weasel, like Grima worm Wormtongue from The Lord of the Rings weasel, really unintimidating kind of person. But um, he's got a checkered record as well in the films he's been in. He mentioned um. Uh, the mummy with tom cruise which we probably shouldn't really talk about that much more but apparently he was also in a murder murder in the Orient express which oh, i yeah. remember watching and thought was okay
0: okay he was it's... in what
1: happened to monday which i thought was a pretty good film and the promise which was a good film with oscar isaac but he never really stood out in any of them to the fact that i even forgot he was in Orient express so um yeah but i did too that's the one i actor, have i guess
0: yeah, I have a much more vivid memory of that movie than The Mummy, and I don't remember what his role was in that movie.
1: No, I don't remember at all what it was, but um, yeah, the film was half an hour longer than the original. Remember that original one from, what, 92? was huge. It was one of the biggest films of the year. It, it mm-hmm. pulled in Academy Awards left, right and centre, and it had the iconic genie. So to really, this film had an awful lot going against it to start with, because it had that, kind of like what The Lion King is going to face, where people hold that film up so much now that anything else will probably won't be as good. But um, I'm not so sold on The Lion King as a lot of other people on this new version. But um, this new one, Aladdin, went on for a bit too long for me. The original parts, the parts which they adapted from the animation worked best. And the new additions, I didn't really like. The new additions to the film, as in like the scenes and that. and I don't really like the new songs either. I don't yeah. know. Carry, they're not memorable at all. A bit like the ones oh. in Beauty and the Beast. I can't remember I any of them. Hearing something like A Whole New World was, was good again. It's a nice song. I enjoyed that, um, and carpet was my favourite as well. Uh, carpet was probably my favourite of the lot. I never thought a inanimate flying rug would be my favourite of the oh lot. Oh man,
0: but... that in the animated it is, and when Doctor Strange came out, all I kept comparing was his cape as like yeah, it's yeah. magic carpet, it's the it's best. Magic
1: carpet, but they did it really well. And Abu the monkey, yep. I I don't know. I thought it was surprisingly very good. I had some moments which were quite funny. For I, sure. The further on it got it's got, it wasn't quite as good i didn't really like the ending all that much but i thought it was, it was uh to quote palpatine a surprise to be sure yeah but a welcome one i, I expected mean, nothing from this film it actually came out fairly surprised which is probably the best you could really want from an experience i think
0: i think um they they change a few things about the third act uh some of them work well i think some of them they play they downplay some things um some of the major like plot points in the film, they play differently here, which I was, I kind of liked. I thought it was an interesting take, and I felt like it made sense that it wouldn't be exactly the same because of some of the little changes to Will Smith's character, the genie. Um, yeah. And the worst thing, though, you mentioned the new songs. Um, Naomi Scott is Jasmine. She gets a new song, um, Speechless, right? Something like that, yeah. Um, And she sings it twice in the movie. The first time is i don't dislike it's not a great song but it's not a bad song and she's got a great voice i think she's really good as jasmine the second time though i'm gonna say guy Ritchie does this thing where he decides to make it's a it's a movie about a genie and a sorcerer right so there's a lot of magic that happens in this film this scene i don't want to spoil anything but it it doesn't make sense visually what happens in the sequence because it is not happening at all but Mm. you're in a movie where there's magic where it definitely could have been possible that it in fact was happening so it's like don't throw a dream sequence into a film that's full of magic because it it doesn't make sense visually to the story that you've been telling It's gonna play differently than what you might intend. And while I was able to like, okay, I get what's supposed to be happening, but it's a really dumb choice. It it makes no sense to the way this film has been playing out to just do this right now. It feels like a music video kind of cut into. Yeah, it did. And it's like, God dang it, Guy Ritchie! What even in the
1: the way it was shot was pretty. Was like McGee suddenly took over for three minutes and just filmed a music video. And as much as I thought no scott was one of the best parts of the film the film i've said it to you it could have just been retitled jasmine because i think she was a bigger character than aladdin was and i think the yeah. focus of the story was more on her i know it was in the animator as well too and they changed kind of as, 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 elements of her story and her fight they did if you will but, they um, made
0: it a little more 2019 i think in some ways yeah in, in, a, in a positive way although it doesn't necessarily feel earned yeah um, when
1: it when it when you got to that song at the end which you mentioned when it, the music video song then it kind of felt a bit like "Mm." it was that it was a bit too much because i say replay that song and the way it was shot and the way it was presented that felt like guy richie just putting it in there for the spectacle and the and the sentiment rather than the narrative
0: yeah exactly like just to appease the uh the women out there watching like hey look i'm i'm hip and cool and i get girl power it's like N- i don't think you do and, and you didn't uh, need that because the character herself was doing that
1: by mm-hmm. but anyway which was which was for someone like i'm not a woman i probably guessed that but i <laughs> thought that i thought that the way she was presented was much better when she was you know just being herself and fighting a good fight rather than the music video section yep yep
0: and i do if you um want a more in-depth review i think listening to the slash film review is uh interesting cuz they they also get into the issue of agrabah being this fictional um country that's kind of an amalgamation of uh arab country indian culture like there's so much like hodgepodge of cultures meshed together that while it's it, it's definitely problematic at the very least and i think their discussion of it um is much better than what i would be able to offer now um but it was things that i had not considered previously um, and i I think it's it's a worthy uh issue because i did note while i was watching the trailer i'm like there's parts of this movie that look very much like a bollywood film and i Mm -hmm. don't know if guy ritchie gets that you know i don't think this is a bollywood story but i i kind of am wrong because i agrabah is a fictional place that is kind of a hodgepodge of all these different cultures so it's not necessarily that Guy Ritchie did wrong, but maybe it's just a problematic idea to begin with because you are blending so many cultures together in a way that is represented to be a singular culture. You know what I mean? So like, so someone who isn't familiar with the different cultures may not be able to pick out each of those things. So again, I'm not an expert on this and not trying to, to, to be, but I think the Slash Film uh, podcast on Aladdin does a good job of uh, bringing that up. So if you're interested in hearing more of that, Um, free shout out to those guys Uh, great podcast in general but
1: no that's fair enough no you can see where there is a kind of melting pot of cultures Mm. and the Bollywood aspect has kind of come up at the end when it became like a musical but um, it's, it's also based on an animated musical film
0: so i just took it as which there are problems there too that that's where the problems begin so that's that's that's... where the
1: problems start but i just kind of took it at face value as that's what they Mm -hmm. did in the animated film this is what guy Richie's doing in this film so he's just kind of nodding his hat to what came before rather than trying to reinvent the wheel or paper over any cracks he's just rolling with it anyway but um yeah i surprised by this film again it's not going to be in my top 20 of the year i'm not going to be dropping a pod in next january saying how much this change the landscape of my film movie watching in this year but like I said when you go into a film expecting to like it and liking it it can be a relief sometimes but you get a good feeling when you go into a film thinking it's going to be not great at all and actually coming out and thinking you know what that was quite good for me that's a better experience because you get the surprise and the fun during it and um, I that's what I liked about Aladdin the most was actually being told actually no go in more open minded if you will and just enjoy it, and just ignore the fat Guy Ritchie's names on the poster, stop yeah. thinking about King Arthur, and all those other films that he did, <laughs> and just go in and watch it. But yeah, yeah. other than pick things like Marwen, Kinzeria aside, some of the story choices, um, the new songs, and a couple of the characters, that a very decent offering, and yeah, better than some most, some or most of the Disney live-action ones. And I know you're a huge fan of uh, Maleficent, and I know it's not a oh, animated rip it's
0: coming out soon second one that sequel boy i oh that trailer again Um, we spoke
1: about astrology a a few weeks ago. i didn't mind maleficent i thought angelina jolie was awesome in the first film but not quite sure why they're i don't like this film film.
0: i don't i don't know man i i didn't care for it i think the trailer for the new one looks bad um it's not i'm
1: not going to be rushing out to see the new one
0: yeah anyways um that is the big four uh which, I don't know if you noticed, man, but with the exception of Aladdin, these are some wordy titles this month. Pokemon Detective <laughs> Pikachu, Godzilla King of the Monsters, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, because we needed a fifth word in that title. I wrote and then you get just Aladdin, um, which I also, you say <laughs> it could be called Jasmine, but I also think it could have been called Genie, because it also is very heavily on Will Smith's character to make the movie work. Um, but, uh that's the big four reviews now we're going to do a kind of rapid fire through the other things that we saw that were released in may um we might talk a little bit we're going to try not to go too long on any one of these but uh these are kind of like we recommend or we don't recommend um matt you want to start us off yes please start. we'll start off with long shot which
1: is a film which dropped into my intriguing list of 2019 when it was f- uh, formerly known as flasky um, and I, that was back in January. I thought, oh, Flarsky sounds cool. Seth Rogen and the power that is Charlize Theron together on screen. Sounds good to me. One's a loser journalist. The other's the most powerful woman in the world. Guess which one's which. Um, <laughs> long Shots I found, has been kind of lifted up as a fantastic comedy and one of the best comedies of the decade. Whereas I just oh. didn't, I didn't mind it. A lot of people were telling me this is so funny. And I expected... Seth Rogen to be funny. I, th- I expected Charlize Theron to have some good uh, comedic chops, but I just thought it was all right. The first half was great when you've got Seth Rogen uh, slash Fred Flasky and Charlize Theron, who's uh, Secretary of State, I think, Char- uh, Charlotte Field. They're sizing each other up, and there's a fish-out-of-water element, uh, comedy element to it. I liked that an awful lot. It felt a bit sweet. Um, the second half wasn't a big fan of it. it felt a bit too much a convention not in the best of way, it became a bit too not that I mind crude humour, I love crude humour but it didn't seem to work in this film there was um, satire and parody of real world politics, you literally get a caricature of Trump and Justin uh-huh. Trudeau and I didn't think that they were effectively written, to be honest and the writing overall was hitting me you've got Flasky was hired for his ability with words and to script all of her speeches uh, Charlotte's speeches, but very quickly that's kind of thrown to the side where you know, we don't need to talk about it anymore. we don't need that, it's meaningless because we, we've got raunch and we've got hijinks going on there was a load of pop culture references as well yeah. which felt out of date when I watched the film and really clunky and it's so hard to make a reference stick and, uh, and Longshot I don't think did a very good job of doing that so you can tell when things are thrown in when they talk about the Twitters or the Facebook and it just doesn't or, it just doesn't, or hashtags, it just doesn't sound natural coming out of anyone's mouth um, but it's rom-com 101, and I know John likes rom-coms, so I, do. I don't mind a rom-com, in terms of narrative and the beat, so your mileage is going to fully depend on your tolerance for rom-coms, I don't mind rom-coms, in fact I quite like them, the first half's a lot of fun, second half I didn't find so good, the humour was more natural um, in the first half, had a better flow, It, you know, the second half rushed along to it's probably never inevitable conclusion, but it was a better film than it was a bad film, but it wasn't the roaring success and, I I didn't really laugh out loud all that much more so in the first half, but I thought long shot was all right.
0: I had a good time with long shot. Um, I do think it maybe got a little overhyped, especially if what you've just said about it being like one of the best, I I don't even think it's the best comedy of the year. I think it is a solid comedy. I think it's a a decent rom-com. I think Charlize Theron is fantastic. Um, and there were Mm -hmm. some moments that really had me. O'Shea Jackson Jr. made me laugh every time he was on screen. I love him. I want him to get a true leading role in a movie because yeah. he's so freaking brilliant but um man godzilla wasted him um <laughs> so that long shot i liked it a little more than matt but neither of us think it's uh the best um but still definitely worth i think checking out and i think oh, it yeah. could what, what, have done better the, uh, um, if you like,
1: for me temporary expectations
0: yeah if you like uh rogan comedies I, it's up there i would say it's in his better recent ones because he's had some mm-hmm. duds um recently and i think this one's better than some of those more recent ones but um, next up, I saw a film called Palms, uh, which is definitely not one everyone has seen. It's, it's geared towards an older audience. Um, Palms is a comedy about a group of women who form a cheerleading squad at their retirement community here in Florida. Stars Diane Keaton, Jackie Weaver. Um, there's a couple of other. Uh, Elise, Alicia Bowe, who is on 13 Reasons Why. And then Charlie Tahan, who was in um, a really great indie last year that went right to Netflix called, hang on... Um, the Land of Steady Habits, uh, stars Ben Mendelssohn, which is freaking great. Um, hmm. I, I really enjoyed Palms, like, I would say not more than Long Shots, but, um, Palms kind of has a familiar, uh, trend that we're seeing with, um, like, an older women owning the screen. Uh, we had Book Club last year, which I also thought was pretty entertaining, um. Not again. Not a great movie, but it worked. For, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. That's where Palms is. I think Jackie Weaver is really good in this. She cracked me up. Um, it's a it's a nice little sentimental story. Uh, Rita um Rita. I'm sorry, Rhea Perlman. You know, Danny DeVito's wife, and she's mm-hmm. uh from Cheers. Her character in this is so not like her normal type. And yet there's an element of it that I'm not going to reveal. It happens very early on, but it's still like, it's a joke and I don't want to take the heat out of the joke by saying it, but it's enjoyable. It's not a, not a perfect movie, but if you're just looking for something kind of fun, um, silly, uh, with some, some good like relationship building, like there's some really powerful friendship stuff that happens in this movie. I thought, uh, I thought Palms was worth your time. So check it out
1: yeah i said before that i hadn't heard of poms i have i've seen i've seen the poster for this film so um i'm not sure when it's coming out in the uk or if it's even been released in the uk if it has been it's totally passed me by but i I'd, I'd be quite happy to check it out um another film we saw is the hustle which was starred uh the always good anne hathaway for yep. me anyway and oh, no, rebel agree. wilson uh, anne hathaway i think she's wonderful yeah uh, it's directed by chris addison who's a uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Britain, but a devilishly unfunny comedian. But he's directed this, and it's a Dirty Rot- dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, kind of reboot. Oh, but, I mean, that is, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is also a remake. so It's kind of a remake of a remake. Uh, and obviously they've turned it around. So rather than having Michael Caine and Steve Martin, you have Hathaway and Robert Wilson. You've got their two con kind of artists who are at the opposite ends of the scale. One's elegant and one's awkward. Uh, they come together for a big score, which is essentially just conning rich men out of their assets uh proof bluntly i didn't really find it very funny and nope. some parts really were gener- genuinely not very good and Hathaway, she sells the elegance and the sophistication well i think she could do that in her sleep mm-hmm. River wilson's left to bring the comedy but the, i think the writing lets her down more than anything because it just basically comes down to those two fighting with each other and the, the only the best way i could describe this film was lazy
0: i don't think it's the writing because I don't think anything Rebel Wilson says is written. I think it's all improv and it's all bad. Um, to me, it's if you look, worse. yeah, if you look at her filmography, the movies where the directors can control her is where she is good. The mm-hmm. movies where the directors allow her to just, you know, riff and be silly, she's not. She's not funny. Um, I really liked, isn't it romantic? That movie feels really, really constrained. A performance mm-hmm. by her. It feels like they they keep her on point. Um, This movie feels like they just let her riff, and it gets dumber and dumber. And she's supposed to be a character that we believe is able to manipulate every man she comes in contact with. And yet, she's a moron in multiple (laughs) scenes. And it's like, no, I don't... I can't... Those are two contradicting thoughts, and it does not work. My wife and I were both very unhappy with this film. And my viewing was like one of the worst film experiences I've ever had. Like there was oh, seven kids in this, like it was a 9:50 on a Saturday night for this movie, like two weeks after it came out nine, like under 13 year olds in this movie, like just with no parents. And they checked out on this film, like most of the adults did, but they were not quiet about it. They were on their phones. They were being loud. So the movie itself was bad. They made it worse. Um, I have no interest in rewatching The Hustle ever.
1: That's probably the biggest, the worst thing you could say about a film. This before we go on to the next film, who's who's better at riffing, uh, Rebel Wilson or Kate McKinnon?
0: Kate McKinnon for sure. Even though um, I I would have gone Rebel Wilson, M- McCarthy or Kate McKinnon because Melissa yeah, McCarthy check. is notoriously bad at also riffing. um she is smarter about it she still will go too far and i feel like the riffing always goes to the extreme and that's when it like kind of loses any comedic punch it's like yes
1: ben Falcone, her husband uh, is involved the films are usually cack (laughs) sorry ben but leave your wife alone when it comes to films
0: of the three though i think mccarthy is the best actress of the three i think hands down yeah she just she gets dumped into her husband's movies like you said and I think she gets typecast, and that's a shame because she's really, really great. When you see things like St. Vincent, um, where mm-hmm. she's a minor character, but I think she gets to really be a character. And then um, in uh, last year's Can You Ever Forgive Me, just outstanding performance. Um, we've seen nothing like that that shows Rebel Wilson has the lick of talent. And um, Kate McKinnon, I feel like, is being typecast. Even like the trailer for Yesterday... Her character is being zany, like she's just <laughs> always going to be the zany character. Um, I don't know if she has it in her to do anything outside of that, um, but I I wouldn't be surprised. But Rebel Wilson, I've given plenty of chances. I think she is. She needs to uh, retire. Um, but <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Yeah, I'm sure not first. Uh, <laughs> first from me, maybe. Uh, I I got to see Rocket Man, um, the Elton John biopic that will inherently get comparisons to last year's bohemian rhapsody partly because the dexter fletcher fletcher connection um fletcher is uh kind of uncredited as the director of bohemian rhapsody um, yeah. when brian singer had to leave fletcher finished the film but uh from my understanding there's a lot of stories that say fletcher was directing it the whole time because singer was wrapped up in the drama that would mo- ultimately lead to him leaving so while he's uncredited many argue that he is the true director of bohemian and that made a lot of people kind of apprehensive about what we were going to get with Rocketman. There's a lot of technical issues with Bohemian. Like, the editing's not great, and there's some weird cinematography choices. Um, but I like Bohemian Rhapsody more than many other critics. Rocketman um, is is fantastic. Uh, oh, good. The more I kind of sit with it, the more I think it's great. Because it does something that most other biopics don't do, is let it be a, like a movie first that tells the story of this you know, real life person in a way that's engaging and entertaining. And it's not it's not that it distorts the historical facts, but it doesn't get hung up on timelines of like, well this song didn't come out until like it's like, no no. This song fits in this moment in this story. That's when we're gonna use it. And it's a musical. It's a real full on musical that is telling a true story. And because of that it's far more entertaining and it's very interesting. There are some awesome cinematography or at least um visual set pieces in general that are just hard to forget um edgerton is really great it's hard not to see him in the movie like i am very aware of taron edgerton is playing elton john Mm -hmm. but he's really good in the performance and it's it's one of the biggest complaints that i kept hearing about bohemian was that it was kind of glossing over the tough parts This movie does not do that. This movie is, is cemented in the darkness and that's what makes it even more impressive to me that it exists because Elton John had his hand in this. So you kind of would expect this to be this like glossy sugary praising mythological figure of Elton John. And it's not, it's very much, it's, it kind of feels like Elton John telling his dark story that people, you know, that it's overshadowed by the costumes and the persona that he has, in in his celebrity this film's talking about that and it's 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 pretty amazing the more i've sat with it the more i'm like this film's really really saying something it's it's so much more than just a biopic and you don't get to say that about a lot of biopics a lot of biopics are what we say are paint by number it's exactly what you expect it to be i would say this is nothing that i expected it to be and in the best way um there's some other good performances the the biggest shock performance for me was Jamie Bell, who the only thing I was familiar with him before <laughs> this was uh, the Fantastic Four nonsense and Jumper. Um, but I, I th- he's really good in this. And I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe those two movies are just so bad that I forgot about him. But um, there's some other – Bryce Dallas Howard is in it, and I didn't know that going in. She's really good here too. Um, but, yeah, uh, overall, I was pretty happy with Rocketman. My wife and daughter – uh, came with me to see this one and they both liked it my daughter really liked it a whole lot I, I i don't know if she likes it more than bohemian um and i would say too i think i still think queen's music is way more fun to listen to than elton john's music but i think rocket man is hands down a better movie so
1: well i, I if, if taylor enjoys it i take her budding film critic hat um and her review well uh, I haven't seen Rocket Man yet because I've had to wait for my scintillating partner to become available to watch the film, partly because she liked Bohemian Rhapsody a lot and Taron Egerton, so um to take a napkin for her. And also, Elton uh, uh, John, another another bar pick of a legendary British artist, and I know I sound very Britain-centric sometimes, but <laughs> got to be proud when we, do some, when we do something right. Touch it, again, haven't seen the film, so I can't say an awful lot, awful lot about it. I'm glad to hear that it's, it's good and it's getting the praise uh, that it seemingly deserves. What I will say about the Bohemian Rhapsody element is, Elton John. As much as I wasn't a huge fan of the gold, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, Elton John in that film is what Elton John is like in real life. So, I'm not surprised that he basically said, "Get as deep and as down and dirty as you need to be." I think if Freddie Mercury had still been with us, I think Bohemian Rhapsody would have dealt, uh, would have dove further into the homosexuality and the and the gay aspect of his life rather than glossing over it because Freddie Mercury wasn't gonna he wouldn't have been one to gloss over those facts. And when you've got Brian May and Roger Taylor, who, um, well, whatever you think about those two, not an awful lot, but they wanted it to, they wanted it to be more about the music yeah. and about the legend of Freddie, not what Freddie did, not who Freddie actually was. Whereas yeah. John, I can't, I'm not surprised. He basically said, yep, yeah, just go, go balls to the wall. So I can't wait to see this film. I'm seeing it in the next day or so. Um, touch wood, I enjoy it as much as you do, but I, from everything so. I've heard, it's, uh, Everything I've heard is going to be a damn good watch.
0: All right, next up.
1: Next up is a, another film which actually getting ridiculous praise, but one which isn't getting seen by an awful lot of people. It's a film called Booksmart. Um, and it's written by Olivia Wilde, directed by Olivia Wilde as well. Uh, it's a bunch of um, nerds, I guess. At Overachievers in school. Amy, played by Caitlin Dever and Molly, by the wonderful name Beanie Feldstein. Uh, she was in Ladybird. They've basically decided on the last day of school before they graduate to just have one mental night and basically, well, literally let their head down, if you will, make up for some lost time and um, have one hell of a night before they, you know, have to grow up, basically. It's a coming-of-age story. And the coming-of-age stories, when done well, are a thing of wonder, and this is one of them. I have really thought it was a really, really good film. It's, it's a spin on a super badge, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, brought up to speed to modern times a bit more but i think the writing makes the choices of the characters more organic and there's no box ticking here there is so well written uh, it's an all-female affair so let this be your notice hollywood to open the doors a little bit more it's really well acted it's generally quite touching and funny at times it goes a bit too wild but it is it's reined in and the character it's so well acted and written that those moments kind of feel earned rather than yeah. for me like long shot where it just kind of felt forced in and a bit not a bit rubbish. Whereas yeah. in Smart it works. And this is a film which I had heard nothing about until about a week ago when it was I heard how many people liked it. There was a campaign on Twitter for people to go and see it because nobody's seeing it. Um, and I just I'd seen the RT score as well and everybody I knew and respected was saying how good it was. So checked it out and boy, I wasn't disappointed
0: um it is currently my favorite film of the year um wow i this is the type of movie that i tend to really click with i am a big fan of coming of age films um i i would even say i am a connoisseur of coming of age stories Mm -hmm. i don't think there's one i haven't seen that's like in terms of critical acclaim i'm sure there's thousands i've never seen but the (laughs) ones that are considered like the epitome of the 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 genre i have studied and i have seen it multiple times um This is a film that will definitely get added to my collection. I think Beanie Feldstein is a superstar in the making. I loved her in Lady Bird. She only proves to me in this film how great of an actress she is. Uh, In every way, man. She delivers dialogue so naturally. Her face acting is amazing. She can tell so much of what's going on in the scene just by her reactions. She is so great. And if she doesn't get to be a superstar, I, I blame... The, i don't know who to blame because there's it, there's no excuse she's so good and she's so funny too like naturally funny um and she can be raunchy but she can also be very clean because like her character in ladybird is like this kind of goody two-shoes and she's hilarious in that movie little things in ladybird um absolutely love Booksmart, and there's so many great moments and uh it's a relatively unknown cast for the most part with the exception of like lisa kudrow and will forte play um uh, Delver's parents, but they're barely in the movie. They're great when they're in it, but they're barely in it. Um, Jason Sudeikis is barely in it, but he's great when he's in it. But the the other kid actors are all relatively new, and they're hilarious. It, the casting in this movie is great, and Olivia Wilde, man, she does some really cool visual stuff in the movie mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, um, that shows she has like a really strong understanding of film. Uh, it's just really great directorial debut. Like it, it's. Um, I would say on par with like Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. I, I think it's a maybe a little more ambitious film than Lady Bird as far as some of the visuals and stuff that we get. Um, I don't know that I, I love Lady Bird, so I'm I'm hard pressed to say it's better. But I definitely think it's a, it's not it's doing something different and it is a really great comedy. I do think this is the best comedy of the year so far. Um, yeah. I I love Booksmart so.
1: And I think this is a better film than Lady Bird. I thought The Edge of Seventeen was a better film than Lady Bird. I was one of the contrarians to Lady Bird. I just simply thought it was good, rather than this world sort of time-altering, uh, grand, majestic film, which is better than everything else. I thought it was just all right. One of the things about Booksmart, which threw me to start with, was um, it's like five writers on this film, all female, but all, there's like yeah. five of them. And that's never a good sign for me, I think, no. when you've got five people writing it. And I think it's... I think. I might be wrong, I haven't got it up, but I think Will Ferrell produces this film. Well, I think he's, just, he's he probably I'm not sure how much he actually did produce it, but um, yeah, when I saw there was five writers, I did think, oh no. However, I mean, it's really well written, there and is it's sync. really well yeah. directed. So. They all definitely um, had an
0: understanding of the characters and what was going on, because it is... It feels authentic as well. It does.
1: For, for 99% of the time, it feels authentic.
0: I, it, the, I was shocked at the writers, too, because this feels like a movie where Wilde not only directed, but wrote it. Like, it feels so personal, and uh, it's so smooth, like you were saying. Like, everything clicks. Um, mm-hmm. I wish this was one of our big four, because I think it is far better than Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, and, unfortunately, it's, so its box office is an atrocity. They did They did something unusual. They tried to open this wide um and you don't usually do that with an indie film you usually you go limited and you gradually push into more theaters they went i think 2000 theaters opening weekend and it wow. just, it did not do well um box office wise it's only
1: had a limited release over here as well so um if you if you haven't seen it we will be those guys saying go and see it i have just checked there is five writers on it. one of them susanna fogel who uh, directed the spy who dumped me last year which i liked and probably one of the only people who did but um yes, there's five writers on there sarah haskins susanna fogel Emily Halpern and Catherine and Katie Silverman. So, uh, yeah, it's it this probably was better than all of the, than any of the big four for me in terms of just coming out and enjoying a film for what a film should be. It looked good. It was performed well. It, um, I, 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 I laughed when I should have done it. It gave me a good feeling afterwards. Um, so this is probably the best of the lot so far.
0: Yep. Um, next up to, not to rush through, but we, I think we could both talk about book smart for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I watched a Netflix original, uh, the Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience. Um, it is a Lonely Island. Uh, they're calling this a visual poem. It's only thirty minutes, so it, it, I'm pushing it to include this. But I, I just, it's, it's so great. Um, I don't know how you feel about Lonely Island, Matt, but they did a movie called Pop Star uh, Never Stop Never Stopping a couple of years ago. I know um, you've spoken about this one, and I think it's such an underrated comedy. Um, I am a big fan of The Lonely Island. It's Andy Samberg, Akiva Schaefer, and I think Mike Diva is the third member. Um, I could be wrong. I always forget who the third member actually is. Um, but uh this, I grew up a big baseball fan, which I'm assuming you didn't, because it's more of an American pastime, right? I've I've seen I've have se- seen
1: a major league baseball game with my own eyes, but uh, the Atlanta Braves. But I'm I'm not the biggest baseball fan. Like well, that, so, it, ice hockey, fine, but not baseball.
0: In the eighties, um when i was a kid i attached myself to the oakland A's early because they were in the world series it was like the first world series i remember watching um they were green and I, i'm a big fan of that color and i just was like i like the oakland A's. and at the time we didn't have a local baseball team we didn't have anyone in florida so you just kind of you know liked who you liked and i was like oakland A's, that's my team and they had two big players mark mcguire and um jose canseco
1: I've heard of Mark McGuire, I've heard of both of them
0: Yeah, and they both notoriously were steroid users, and Mark McGuire would break the home run record, but he has an asterisk next to the record I remember that with Sammy Sosa Yeah, so, this is them, said it in the 80s telling <laughs> a musical story of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, it's essentially <laughs> a string of music videos connected yeah. with the, these like odd visuals and a few lines of dialogue here and there uh, because it's the Lonely Island, you get a lot of cameos, Maya Rudolph shows up um, Jim O'Hare, who you might recognize from Parks and Recreation, uh, Sterling K. Brown has a great role, um, but it's telling the story of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco through these hip-hop songs that are freaking hilarious. Uh, Jenny Slate's in it. Um, it's It just kind of dropped out of nowhere on Netflix, and it's it's a marvelous experience. 30 minutes. Uh, if you're a fan of any of the Lonely Island stuff, and or a fan of baseball, and or a fan of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, um uh, this is it's it's such a fun time uh i it's, it's 30 minutes like just throw it on netflix if you're already paying for it watch it that's all i got to say about it it's super funny um there you go what's up next
1: for half an hour i could drink i could make my tea and drink it by the time that film's finished so there you go. maybe i'll do that after this pod next up oh, another one which had quite a lot of um quite a lot of i say anticipation but going into it but more oh, intrigue bright burn um Fresh from dirtying the internet, apparently. James Gunn's back with something a bit more, a bit uh, smaller than Guardians uh, from the guy who gave us Slither. But he didn't direct it. David Yarrakevsky directed this, but you would be forgiven for thinking it was James Gunn because his name was all over the yeah. marketing, hence why I opened with it. And for me, that's never a good thing because look, look at Mortal Engines. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, didn't direct it. The Curse of La Irania. Uh The guys from The Country and James Wan didn't direct it unfortunately the guys doing the conjuring three or four which one's coming out next he did or annabelle three whichever one it is he directed now you I Knew, and that was poo brightburn sci-fi horror interesting spin on a superhero genre the kind of what if you know some, like, something like superman was bad and he came to earth to actually just wreak havoc it is for me it was pretty dispensable this film was unfortunately mm-hmm. i i liked it kind of but i didn't love it the scares were tele- telegraphed and the characters weren't interesting enough for me. And that includes Brandon, uh, the young boy at the centre of it, whose name, uh, the young actor, his name alludes me. But, um, uh, Jackson Dunn. Jackson Dunn, that's it. Uh, his story isn't developed for me, which could have provided some real good narrative beats. If you've seen the trailer, good, fine. You will, yeah, that's the film. But... I like, you know, it, 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 I put sci-fi horror in because it points it does go, the gore and the blood gets it into horror levels. But oh, yeah. I don't know, I think I, th- I think I just might have been expecting a bit too much. Of it I was a bit wary of it having that superhero slant. Not because I don't like superhero films, but I think this could have worked as a straight-up horror film without that superhero element. And that's originally what I thought this was. I thought it was a horror film from, you know, the mind of James Gunn. I thought, great. And then when I saw the trailer and saw all those kids floating around and he's got superpowers, I thought, because it kind of takes it away from me a bit because he kind of seems a bit immortal from the trailer. But, I don't know, it's an interesting spin on the genre, and I didn't mind it. We'll it see, just yeah. wasn't blown away like I wanted to be.
0: I don't have a problem with the bad guy being immortal because, like, think of Freddy Krueger, which, yeah, 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 they kill him, but how many times does he come back? <laughs> Jason's the same way. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I really, I think the only parts of this movie that are any good are the you can see where it's like okay so what if superman decided to murder people how would he do it and like so you take those superpowers and you figure out interesting ways of killing people and those things those set pieces are pretty intense there is some real gore that i had to look away from one scene because i have a whole thing with my eyes um and (laughs) uh but the every connective piece is absolute trash um, there is literally six different allusions to why he's going to be evil early in the film. And then they negate all of them because he's essentially a sleeper agent. It is. Not, and that's not a spoiler. It, it's, no, it's, not. it's it's really early in the film. It, it's so. The writing is so bad and it's so disappointing. Um, I wanted to love this movie. Uh, it is Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn. So I'm assuming those are brothers and or cousins to James Gunn. And he is a producer on the film, and that is all. Although, if you yeah. watch the marketing or the interviews, James Gunn is promoting the crap Ooh, right out of this movie. We
1: just need Billy Gunn to make the
0: whole family. Oh man, uh, badass Billy Gunn. Yes, sir, yeah. Uh, um, gets Mr. Ass, the kiss on his butt. It'll be uh, Mr. Worth Ass. It. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I I was severely disappointed. I was actually really hyped about this movie. I like. knew you a, would be. There's a lot of cool imagery in the trailer um all of the big scenes are in the trailer by the way so if you haven't seen a trailer don't watch it if you were interested in this movie they show literally clips of the end of the movie in the trailer um there is one part that is so dumb there's like this huge leap in logic where a character puts things together where you're like nope none of that makes sense and (laughs) I am almost always that critical and a friend of mine who goes to the movies with me a lot usually is forgiving of stuff like that he looked at me so aggravated during the movie it was like are you for real i'm like right <laughs> like i didn't think you would feel that way but he also felt that way so it, it's yeah it's so so tragically bad because um, it could have been amazing um although it has branded a new series of memes where superman is punishing brandon and i love those those have cracked me up every time i've seen one so keep those coming um he deserves to be punished for the trash movie that this turned out to be um next up is a very small indie film called the white crow that is a biopic about the uh ballet the russian ballet dancer Rudolf Nureyev. no boy Nuryev. Nuriev. That's what I'm going to say I have no idea how to say that Um It's directed by Ray Fiennes Uh And also He is in the movie he's, he's not a lead But he is a major character But um It introduces Oleg Ivenko, Who is an actual Ballet dancer Uh mm-hmm. And that I have found About myself That I like movies That feature ballet I would not have thought that Not Traditionally a big fan of ballet I don't think I've ever been To anything outside of like The Nutcracker suite Um like a local performance too so not like a big production um but i love uh i love black swan which i could not think of for a second oh, gotcha um there was another movie uh, i did not like red sparrow or whatever but i didn't mind the battle of the lay parts of that movie it's not much of it it's a stupid horrible movie but um this movie the dance sequences are so good and i was really really into those um, I thought uh, Oleg does a really good job of being the character. I I, oh I got a screener for this and I had like rec- I had agreed to review it, and then I like looked at the uh, the poster on IMDb and I was like oh god I don't know if this is a movie I'm going to click with, <laughs> um because it's it's like a period piece it's not that much of a period piece because it's in the 70s but it the picture that I saw made it look like it was like an old movie and I had no idea what it was I didn't read the description I almost didn't watch it. And then I was very glad that I did. I, I enjoyed it very much. It is out in limited release right now. Um, I I recommend it, especially if you uh, if you're if you like movies that have really well choreographed ballet numbers, because that's why they cast the actor that they did or the non actor that they did because um, uh, he's a great dancer. Um, the story is also compelling. I knew nothing about this guy, and so like kind of seeing he's considered one of the best ballet dancers like of all time. Um, and his story is also very interesting because he has to, uh, he's living in communist Russia and he's not really into communism. So there's this whole struggle that he goes through. Very compelling. We got one more I, left.
1: I only heard about this film today, really. And again, I am prom- not the guy's fan. I'm, I'm not paid by the guy, but, um, the, the they were actually going to get Anakin Skywalker to play the guy, the baller, the, the lead ballet dude. Uh, ballerina, I think I forgot guy, forgot how to um, term the man. Which Hayden Christen. Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Hayden Christensen, not okay. Sebastian. Shaw. I was like, um, well, hold up. <laughs> no, yeah, um, they, but apparently he has an ankle injury, which stopped him from playing it. But Ray Fiennes actually cast him in the film and then oh, wow. uncast him. But hell, uh, it's funny how things work. But yeah, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing this film because I'm interested in anything that Ray Fiennes does anyway. But I don't mind ballet films. Um, because they they always have some you know, that inward some sort of majesty about them, so yeah. and it always makes you think of Black Swan. So yeah, last film then is the we've had some long titles this month. This one's just simply two letters Ma, uh, directed by uh, Tate Taylor, the guy behind Girl on the Train. It's a it's a Bloomhouse um, Productions horror film which can usually go one way or the other, could be pretty damn good or not very good. This one's got the powerhouse Octavia Spencer in it. That Octavia Spencer is in a low-budget horror film. And guess what? She's the best part of it by far. Um, She elevates pretty much anything she's in. Mar's no different. She's unhinged and she's creepy. Um, The problem with Mar is it tries to mix in a little bit too much into the story. They literally try to throw every horror cliche in as much as possible. By the end of it, the seams have come apart and the ending is, well, by the extremely violent ending, it's all a bit it's all a bit silly. But um, it's very familiar for the most part. Like I said, it's horrible by numbers at times. It's not particularly well written at all, I don't think. What I did like was uh, there were a few curveballs thrown in to at least keep it interesting. At no point during this film did I want to get up and leave or did I want to turn it off and yeah. think, oh, I I'm bored by this now. I tolerated it. Uh, if it. if it wasn't for Octavia Spencer, this would... Blow.
0: yeah I completely agree um there were some things that I found really baffling with choices that they make I'm like wait why is this part of, why is this happening that doesn't make any sense why would they do that but the the shock to me was some of the supporting characters you have Allison Janie uh Missy Pyle who's a Tim Burton regular she's in a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff um and Luke Evans who you know I I don't dislike he's not great he's not bad and then uh Juliette Lewis um like, Julia Lewis gets a little more to do, but those other three barely get anything to do, and it's like, why would you even do this movie?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And, and the way I kind of, like, I like that they did it. It's not like an insult. I think they do, they play the roles well. It's just surprising that they were able to get the cast that they got. Octavia Spencer is great. Um. There are moments, man, where she's just, like, looking off, and she's, it's so unnerving. Like, I'm just like, okay, is she crazy for real? Like, she's freaking me out. <laughs> um. But there's, there's a lot of stuff that it, it just doesn't fully add up and um there's a surreal quality to this movie like like the reason for her anger is pretty it's asking a lot for us to believe that it would it would be exactly what it is here um i i don't know man it it's 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 not the worst horror movie i've ever seen by far but it's definitely not a good horror movie it's somewhere uh just just better than it could have been
1: it's somewhere above the Happy Death Day franchise. Sorry for everybody out there, but it's it, like is the about
0: those guys. The first one's good. The second one's <sighs> so bad. But, yeah. but the first one, I don't think it's necessarily good as a horror movie. I just think it's fun. Um, it's different. This MTV is, horror. Yeah, this is... Yes, yes, exactly. Um, it feels like a like a comedic derivative of, of Scream. Um, Happy Death Day does. Ma feels like it, it is trying to be so many things... Um, I did see someone on Twitter, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they had said they compared her performance here to um, Kathy Bates in Misery. I, I had that. I was, I was going
1: to say that as well. Oh. That of, uh, I literally was waiting for, for you to finish so I could chuck it in. But Sorry. Whoever said that, no, no, whoever said that, hats off.
0: Yeah, Um. and uh, so at that level, but Misery, far better movie, right? Because like, oh, yeah. like, it knows what it is. This movie feels like it doesn't know what it is. Um, It knows it wants to be a horror film, But what horror film and what story to get to it, it just never, it never fully clicks. And that's a shame because she gives a terrific performance, but even some of her performance, like it's not even the, the character does things that I'm just like, why would any character do those things? And (laughs) that there's a a picture taken in the movie. I won't say what's in the picture, but while I was uh, pulling images for my review, that picture's on Google images and i'm just like wow that's a spoiler like so huge mega spoiler when it, it's not like there's a lot of images so if someone released that image as like a pr thing and that's a huge mistake again keep third act stuff out of your marketing please mm-hmm.
1: well, yeah. i don't know which one you mean as well
0: yeah it, it's uh jeez. um anywho that Mixed is back may right uh that's may Summer movie. Usually, this is a big month. Um, we did have some really solid movies, um, but we've had some duds as well. Uh, some some big duds with Godzilla, um, monster size, you might even say.
1: Whoa, he's a comedian now as well. <laughs> yeah, there was like I said, it, for me, it's a mixed bag. But we had some, we had things like Booksmart for you, Rocket Man. Um, uh, that's about it, really. I don't know i mean pikachu yeah. was fine godzilla not great john wick was very decent aladdin surprising and then you've got like the best of the rest or the worst of the rest and other than bright um, Booksmart, sorry and again for you rocket man well i think you had more success with the with those many reviews than i did because long yeah. wasn't a fan of hustle not particularly great Brightburn not great Ma was okay so but i mean only one real standout
0: film my four that i that i you haven't seen yet um they're all fairly small, you know. Like the Netflix yeah, drop is a short film if, at best. The white, uh, the white crow is not one I think is going to click for everybody, but it's also a very small or limited release. Um, Rocket Man's the exception, but I, I don't. Rocket Man seems to be getting a lot of praise from critics actually, which was surprising to me. But yeah. um, I, I think partly because it's a musical, and critics tend to love a well-made musical. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's not the strongest month of may and honestly this summer isn't looking to be real great um there's not a a movie coming out and with the exception of spider-man and even that i'm feeling a little marvel fatigue at this point i kind of wish they'd push spider-man back into the like the fall um because i I, like i'm dude i'm you know endgame i'm i don't need another marvel movie this soon
1: so soon after and i'm a big
0: spider-man fan you're a huge Spidey fan. I
1: and mean, I'm looking at the slate of films coming up, and I'm telling you something, I can't wait till we get out of the summer and start getting into September and the, the fall or the autumn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, next month, what? Fight Okay, we've got Toy Story 4. Uh, Men in Black, or Men in Black, is Ford versus Ferrari. Looking forward to that. Dark Phoenix is a June film. Child's Play, you know... Some fairly big films, but I'm not even Toy Story. I'm not looking forward to July, The Lion King. You've mentioned Spider-Man: Far From Home, and then we've got things like I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Annabelle 3. August, Hobson Shaw, Door of the Explorer. <gasps> but then September—that's when we're really getting the big films now. So um uh, get me out of the summer, which I think anyway. Get me into the fall. Get me give give JSB his pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, um, give me yeah. the pumpkin pie. Let's just start watching things like it. Chapter two, and uh, Downton Abbey, man. Maybe not Downton Abbey.
0: Okay, I'm not gonna see that one, but uh, <laughs> e- unless we have to, if that's one of the four for that month. But um, it may be looking at September. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a valid point. Um, God, I'm gonna have to like watch the show to understand what the hell's happening. But <laughs> um, it's a Wikipedia store. Yes. Uh, so that's May. Um, if you like the show, uh, please rate and review us on whatever you, uh, whatever format you listen to us in. Whether it's iTunes, which is now I guess just going to be podcast because Apple has announced they're getting rid of iTunes. Um, but you know, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, just give us a rating, uh, leave a comment. Um, of course, Matt, uh, where where can they find your reviews and where can they find you online? Online, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk
1: for all of uh, the reviews and all of the team ups with JB on there. And across all of the socials, just search for what I watched tonight and you'll find me there.
0: And you can find me at burkreviews.com and on all the social media, I'm at burkreviews. Simple and easy. Um, we just like are, us. Yeah, just like we're simple and easy. Uh, especially <laughs> well, Matt simple. after a couple of teas. Um, <laughs> yes. Doesn't even need alcohol, it's just tea. Uh, <laughs> Earl Grey, baby. So with that, that's our episode. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next month looking at all the the big movies and or duds from June. Uh, Matt what do you have to say? Keep it bloody awesome guys and keep watching movies.
1: Awesome.